I am your host, Space Orphan 18. Today starts the first of our Big Brother two-parter. Um, this this week is going to be the episode. We're going to talk about the episode. And next week we're going to kind of get into Blaine's family and, and kind of some headcanons we've got. So joining me this week, I have returning with me, um, is RB or C. Kerouac on Tumblr and hi. Mel. Oh, sorry. I should really just say hi. You really should just let us say hi. It helps differentiate voices. All right. Well, how about you guys introduce yourself this time? <laughs> hi, I'm Arby. I'm C. Kerouac on Tumblr. Hi, I'm Mel, and I'm 47Mel47 on Tumblr. That's my username, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'm just... <laughs> what, what inspired you to do 47Mel47? Um, my first television obsession was Alias. And so the number 47 was very prominent throughout that series. All of my sort of nicknames has has a 47 in it as a sort of homage show. That's cool. Mine is from The Office, so I don't know if people know that or not. Yay! Yeah, cool, awesome. All right, so we're talking about about Big Brother here. And um, we've actually got some stuff to get in before we get into the um, meat of this episode. Um, I have meat. <laughs> just, a, just, just take a big handful of this episode. <laughs> um, this, this comes after, we should put it in context, this comes after On My Way. And there was a big giant hiatus, and we've come back from that, and this kind of kicks off the last eight episodes of the of the season, so it's the last arcs. And um, we come back, there was a cliffhanger, Quinn had gotten hit by a truck. Um, she's fine, guys. She's going to be okay. She's in a wheelchair, but she's going to make it through. Artie and Quinn do a nice little number. And um, did I say Tina got hit by a truck, or did I say Quinn? You said Quinn. For some reason, I, I felt like I said that wrong. <laughs> well, considering that usually terrible things happen to Tina, it feels like it would be a very easy mistake to make because the writers just hate Tina. That's true. They do. So, so yeah, the, the whole first like five minutes or so are catching up and Quinn's going to be okay. And, you know, Kurt and Blaine are shoved in the background and really have nothing to do with any of this. So, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing I really need to mention jumping in is, um, 
Figgins decides to have Coach Roz um, help Sue Sylvester win the Nash. The I, this plot is so convoluted. I don't even understand it. But there's this whole thing. She's gonna take over the Cheerios if Sue doesn't win. And Figgins is being a and I don't know. He's being Figgins. He's being Figgins. I mean, he's being Figgins. Especially now that that um, Sue is pregnant. Which yeah. is awesome. Which I had totally forgotten happened. I know. I literally, ha- I was watching the episode to refresh for this podcast, and I'm sitting there going, she didn't get pregnant. What the hell is she doing pregnant? As I had apparently completely forgotten that entire storyline. But so did the Rodders. Yeah, the kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah. The baby appears in the first episode of season four, and that's kind of it, isn't it? Kind of. I mean, they mentioned... <laughs> Roz, Roz will mention her adult baby Robin every now and then, but other than that, we'd never like hear of the child. No, we really don't. We hope she's okay. Um, yeah. But um, so the point of me even going in on any of this is that um, Sue feels threatened about losing her job, so she goes to Will, and why Will agrees, I have no idea. Um, she wants to run booty camp. Which I have to say... I really like and I think makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. it really does something like that needs a more athletic way to go about it. And for all of Sue's faults and foibles, she is a pretty solid athletic coach. She will she will get people moving even if it's by terrorizing them and i will add that i think it's kind of nice that the one good thing um this this kind of arc does it shows them prepping for nationals it actually Mm -hmm. show it even talks about the songs that they're gonna do and it shows them getting ready for nationals and everybody's there nobody's like sitting out rachel's even there so it's kind of nice that even though the win at nationals does feel telegraphed it's nice to see that they're like working towards it during these next eight episodes, so. Well, you know that I, Sue was the one who was probably like, I'm sorry, you have half of your kids not participating in this? That's bullshit. You get them out there. Everybody works on my team. Let's move it. And Will's like, oh, I didn't know you had to make people actually work for things. <laughs> so, you know, bless Sue. Yeah, the Sue in this episode, I actually really like it. I think like it's a, it's a good balance of the crazy and like the over-the-top like a great smackdown of the Glee Club. Um, and then I suppose sort of the more serious stuff with with the pregnancy storyline, I can actually like really tolerate the Sue in this episode and appreciate her as the character that she is. Um, I think it's a good balance. I thought they used her really well in this episode. Yeah. yeah. I agree. She's very entertaining and she's got some funny bits and she doesn't lose her Sue-ness, but it's very well balanced with everything else that's going on. I also yeah. really enjoy Sue and Roz together. Like, I just, I really enjoy Nene Leakes. I find her to be <laughs> hilarious. And she is a terrible actress, but she yeah. is hilarious in this part. And them together is magic. Oh, yeah. Just about yeah. any time. I, and I don't, I've never watched any of the Real Housewife stuff. I have no idea about her outside oh, of this. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but she cracks me up every time she's on screen. And I'm, you know, it's one of those times when Glee. Maybe it's just because of availability does um, less with her and less is <laughs> yeah. more. So they don't overuse yeah. her at any point. So she yeah. ends up getting just the best lines. And yes, yeah, Sue is a great, she's a great foil for Sue. That's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, 
So the, the, one of the mini plots in this episode actually is the um, student, not student, the senior skip day. And that's when Finn comes in and he's like, this is about senior skip day. And Sue gets all pissy at him. But then I was like, hey, hey granny panties. <laughs> <laughs> and then she gets mad at Mercedes for donating to the Obama Foundation and then throws her Android across the room. Well, because she's texting. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm uh, donating to the Obama campaign. It's, I mean, it was just it was fantastic and I love this type of Sue I love angry coach Sue it's one of my favorite things about the series and it's one thing that I really enjoyed in the beginning of the series that they kind of let taper off once they got 47 other characters um so I really enjoy her popping her head back out to uh to shower us with with her anger and her inappropriateness oh yeah absolutely and um, I'm trying to remember if this scene or if it's the scene later on that she says, um, I'm here to, one of my favorite lines, she's like, I'm here because Will needs another adult friend. <laughs> that was the end. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> sorry, I'll save that for later. But truer words were never spoken. Oh, I think I wrote the exact same thing on my notes. Like, everybody agrees with this. Um, <laughs> this is the one where she, like, gets in Rachel's face about stabbing each other in the back for yes. a competition solo. Yes. And then makes a comment to Kurt about the um, the late night, the competition hosted by the late night horror Riley movie, like about his vampire fear. <laughs> like she she knows about his vampire fear. Like he, he doesn't like <laughs> Google. Google. Because Sue knows everything. She does. Yeah. A drone, what is it? A drone's been flying around. Come on. Everything. She has got a cardboard cutout of him kissing Blaine. Come on. She knows about the vampire thing. Of course <laughs> she does. She watches, she listens, she's omnipresent. Uh, yeah. But it's really funny to me, she passes, She when she passes Rory and Kurt, when she first comes out, she's like, I'm going to whip you guys in shape. And Rory's like, like pushing his belly out a little bit, but, but, but Kurt's like all bulk in the shoulders. It's just really funny contrast to me as she passes them. <laughs> oh, well, because he, he's like in his best, like, I'm trying to channel Rocky outfit. <laughs> Because this is with, like, the American bandana and the hoodie and... <laughs> no, I think the hoodie's the later one. No, the hoodie's in the later one. The, oh, yeah. the later this is one. the one with the mesh vest thing, or the, yeah. t- the tank, oh, yes. and the, the plastic hat, and he's channeling something from the 80s, apparently, but... Yes. The hoodie's when she talks about him pooping rainbow glitter. This is true. Uh... <laughs> One of one of my favorite insults is that when when Kurt complains that she's meaner than Tabitha. <laughs> okay, you guys have to like um, forgive my ignorance. Who is Tabitha? I know it's some reality okay, so thing, it's, but it's another Bravo TV show call out. There is a show called um, it was Tabitha Salon Takeover, and then it was Tabitha Takes Over. So it's basically this very angry, short-haired, blonde hairdresser. Mm-hmm. Um, who goes in and she's basically the Gordon Ramsay of hairdressing. And she goes in and she fixes salons that are just falling apart. And she's mean. And I think she's Australian, but she's amazing. (laughs) That's fantastic. It's another Bravo TV call out. Oh, that's hilarious. I I remember... um, because it was around this episode that I sort of started dipping, dipping my toes into fandom, sort of um, 
getting into the thick, I started making videos and things like this around this this time of the season. And I remember there was this massive thing about um, the Dalton fanfic, the the one that's I think it's never been finished, but it was this massive fic, and there was this bitch character. Oh, oh yeah. And that oh my god glee knew about the glee writers knew about this fanfic and they were referencing this character in the fan fiction in this email i was like i don't think so no <laughs> but, no um, but yeah I, yeah i remember those sort of that sort of reaction some like that i was coming across and thinking what um but yeah it's, i had it's yet another love letter to the bravo reality tv complex which is awesome though and i will say as a side note which we really won't go into here though is they i'm pretty sure the writers were new new oh sorry i'm pretty sure that the writers were familiar with some of the major fanfics because i i I don't it'd be way too much of a coincidence for some of these moments not to be referential even on the fringes a little bit i'm just like okay so but to be directly referencing them yeah exactly I mean, on on one hand, I feel like there's probably some that they were aware of. On the other hand, Glee was such a large fandom that produced such a large number of fan works and had a pretty decentralized big name fan system as compared to some of the previous fandoms, you know, Harry Potter or whatnot. Um, And some of these are kind of well-worn tropes. That I think some that I think some of them maybe on purpose that they were aware of, and I think some of them was just multiple people hit on the same trope yeah. idea just because so much came out of Glee fandom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, guys. So we get into Kurt and Blaine walking in the hallway, and um, Kurt's noticing that Blaine has been preoccupied, and Blaine is a little preoccupied. Um, he mentions that his brother is in town. And um, he has not said anything to Kurt, really, about his brother. Because uh, mysterious older brother that you never talk about. Yes! <laughs> well, <laughs> the fact that we didn't even think Blaine had a family up until this point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like that, the, the sort of the comment when he's like, oh, my brother's coming into town. And the comment from Kurt, oh, the brother that you never, ever talk about. Sort of like... <laughs> how we're going to explain the fact that we're going to randomly throw a family member into this show because we've got this amazing guest star and we want to utilize him in the best way possible. Doesn't so. matter. You can do anything <laughs> they want with this. I like this episode an appropriate amount. Yeah. <laughs> oh, who you refuse to talk about. So Blaine yes. has made it a point, like, I have an older brother, but I'm not going to tell you anything about him. Now, this is what gets me, because Blaine says, oh, you know him already. Let's take a second to think about Kurt watching these commercials and like freaking out and be like, "Oh my god, I love yeah. this guy on this commercial." Uh huh. <laughs> well, where was where was where is Blaine's reaction to him hearing Kurt's ringtone for the very first time? I think that would have been amazing because it would have been a delightful mix of horror, <laughs> what the fuckness, and yeah. I've you need to answer your phone right away so I don't have to listen to this. <laughs> See, now, I can almost see it that Kurt sees the commercial for the first time with Blaine there, and Blaine's horrified and like, oh, yeah. my God. And Kurt going, I'm going to make this my ringtone. And Blaine's like, oh, <laughs> God, why? I, I kind of want Kurt to have felt like he discovered it and, yeah. like, wanted to show it to Blaine. It's like, I found the most attractive man on TV. Let me see if I can find the commercial on YouTube. And Blaine's but, like, oh, yeah, this is great. Oh, God, no. <laughs> 
But are you telling me that Kurt has not extensively researched this person and has stalked all sort of internet, possible Facebook profiles to try and find out who this man actually is, that he's that big a fanboy over him that he doesn't already know? This is just one of those moments where we just have to ignore all of what Sherlock Kurt would do. (laughs) Because you're right. If this was real life and following logic, he would have nailed that shit down within like 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> My other but, thing is, oh, go ahead. But because this is Glee universe, we have mm-hmm. to pretend like he just sits there in blissful ignorance as he watches it on repeat and is probably responsible for a few thousand of the hits on YouTube. You know, and the thing that gets me, and I'll, I'll bring this up more so in the second podcast, is do the Andersons not have any photos in their house? I mean... <laughs> I I like to think that Blaine went around and put like a black piece of cardboard <laughs> over over the pictures of Cooper. Well, and I'm like looking at Kurt's locker but right I, now, and he's got. I also don't believe that Blaine's house actually exists on the normal plane of existence. <laughs> it's just a bedroom. Uh, it's just a bedroom. <laughs> And that bedroom didn't exist until he magically left Dalton. (laughs) Well, and I'm like, Kurt managed to get himself a picture of Blaine in his, you know, uniform the first day they met. So I'm sure he would be uncovering these cardboard things. I just think that the, you know, I can only imagine that the Andersons are just those people that you go into their house and it looks like a museum or something. You don't touch anything. And (laughs) fan fiction leads us to believe. Yeah. (laughs) So... (laughs) Oh man! So, so let's let's talk about the glory that is Cooper Anderson. Let's talk about Cooper Anderson. Let's talk about Mr. Matt Bomer and how just... I like I like Matt Bomer a normal amount <laughs> and a well, appropriate adult amount. Well, I think um, Sue's quote would pretty much sum you up, wouldn't it? It really if, does. <laughs> if Alan Menken isn't personally writing you a fairy tale music at this very moment, I will hunt him down and beat him senseless with a cudgel because you, sir, are, are a Disney, Disney prince. prince. <laughs> I 100% agree with Sue, and it is one of my very uh, big regrets that Matt Bomer never showed up on Gallivant since oh. Alan Menken wrote all the music for for Gallivant. Um, and I just, I, I, just uh, uh, this is going to be one of the very few podcasts where I am a little bit verklempt and just can't get out words because I <laughs> really, really enjoy Matt Bomer and by extension Cooper Anderson. Oh, so you're a Matt Bomer fan? I didn't know that. You know, slightly, a normal amount. I I appreciate his looks. They're okay. He's kind of okay um, looking. I mean, you know, I've seen if, better. If you get the right angle and the right lighting. He's all right. He's certainly not the type of person who I'd want to lick from navel to nipple. I mean, I would never want to do anything like that. I, I've i never watched the Magic Mike movies. I watched them for the plot. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, you know, only a slight fan of White Collar. It's fine. It's not something that I'd watch on repeat with him and his three-piece suits that are cut almost as tight as You know, I have to say, as I because I watched White Collar, um, it's kind of funny because this is about the time that I was getting back into the show. And mm-hmm. I had been watching White Collar. And I, and I remember the first time, um, 
they were like, oh, Matt Bomer's going to be on Glee. And I was so excited because I'm like, I've just found this show and it's amazing. And then this guy is going to be on this as Blaine's brother. That's going to be amazing. <laughs> that was a really <laughs> bad telling of that story, but that's okay. Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome when you're living our dream. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about this. <laughs> so okay, so... You're pretty much Kurt in this scene. In terms I am, of like, I am one hundred percent Kurt. I have um, a number of people who I know in real life who do not know the fandom me, um, but oh, who watched yeah. who watched Glee um, as as casual viewers have made the comment before <laughs> that I was Kurt in the scene with Matt Bomer, and I'm just sitting there going, "Yeah, you know me well. You, you, you should see what I say on the internet." <laughs> His reaction is just glorious. And then in that little part where Sue's talking to him about being a Disney prince, you can see in the background, like, Blaine's talking to Kurt. And uh-huh. Kurt is just like, nah, I'm all about the Cooper. And he's just eyes on and the eyes are wide and he's staring and his hands are on his mouth and it's just all about Cooper. Well, you think that in this, in this moment, Kurt has figured he has won the jackpot because not only does he have Blaine, but now he has Cooper Anderson. Well, he also kind of gets a glimpse of what Blaine is going to look like in 10 years. I mean, he's he's getting future glimpses, too. This is this family that obviously a lot of good looks run in. So obviously it's not a mistake and it's not something that he's just going to like grow out of once he hits 18. So I, th- I feel like, yeah. Kurt's thinking that he hit the jackpot. Well, let's talk just a quick second about the actual commercial that Cooper is in. <laughs> <laughs> know your score, free credit rating today.com. Slash savings. <laughs> it is such a wonderful send up of all of those ridiculous credit commercials that we see on TV. <laughs> so do you get, oh God. <laughs> so do you have- these are real things that are on American television. Oh, okay. This is this is not that far off from what an actual credit reporting agency, well, third party credit. I was gonna say like agency. local third party, like a. I mean, it's so it's it's not the actual credit reporting agencies. It's not like Equifax or anything like that. But it's the like Credit Karma, and you know, we can check this for you. It's it's a really solid, it's a really oh. solid take on it. I don't want, like, singing ads. All of our financial ads are boring. Oh, like, that's so sad. Oh, singing <laughs> that reminds me. I, I don't know. I'm going to say it anyway. Um, we had, um, Barnes & Noble had, a couple of years ago, had the best commercial. They had Jane Lynch singing on an escalator. So, um, which is marginally Why do I not relevant. remember this commercial? Oh, I, it didn't run very long, unfortunately. But yeah, she, it, well, you know why? Because I think it had the Nook, um, the tablet e-reader oh, in it. Yeah, yeah. But she's dancing with her e-reader. And it, that guy from, 30, that dorky guy from 30 Rock was like trying to get a book. And then like. And it's a page. Yes. <laughs> and Jane Lynch hands him a tablet and then they sing on the escalator. It, <laughs> this sounds amazing. I kind of feel like we need to. We need to YouTube search this and attach this to the bottom of the podcast. They should. It's kind of amazing, actually. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But the, the other thing is, um, with the Sue stuff, first of all, signing her breasts. That just cracks me up. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, 
I would do the same thing. Like I, I would ha- literally have the same responses that these people have. Would no, you really I, go to like, if you Matt Bomer came up to you and was just like, okay, yo, no, and you would like, just super, say, sign my breast. No, because Matt Bomer is classier than that. But Cooper Anderson, I would totally do that too. <laughs> because Cooper Anderson is not classier than that. No, no. Cooper Anderson had sex with a progressive insurance lady. I had to Google her. Is that Flo? It's Flo. Okay. I had to Google that. I'm like, I don't know who this person is. And I Googled it and I watched it and I'm like, cool. Yes, it's definitely Flo. <laughs> right. I'm glad you Googled that. <laughs> so I love, I absolutely love being on podcast with you because I forget a lot of the American centric things that are on the show. Yeah. <laughs> that I, I I don't think about, oh, this is not somebody that the rest of the world would not know what was going on. I was like, of course he had sex with a progressive insurance lady. See, and I didn't know <laughs> she had a name. Like, I haven't, I don't even have a television set right now, so I don't watch any kind of, like, um, oh, well, uh, so. I literally, I like, I literally, I'm like, progressive insurance lady that came up with all these YouTube videos with Flo. Yes. I was like. Yes, her name is Flo. <laughs> She just wants to make sure that you uh, compare the numbers and get the right price, even if it's not with Progressive. I watch a lot of television, so I am really embarrassed that I know all of these things. We have a meerkat for our, like, insurance, like the comparing the insurance agency. That's a meerkat at the moment. Yes. I think I've seen that because it's. (laughs) Because it airs in Britain, too. And when I was living in Scotland, I remember being very confused by the meerkat. Like, isolate. I think it's an isolate. It's one of those. And there's a meerkat now. And it's like, okay. We'll just go with that. I love how for commercial spokesmen, people will just accept it. Like, there's very little questioning. Like, it's a lady named Flo, or it's a meerkat, or it's the 47 <laughs> things that Geico uses. Yes, to say the Geico lizard. <laughs> Or yeah. the Geico caveman or the googly eyes on the money. Or Ronald I mean, McDonald. I mean, think about that for a while. <laughs> okay, and now I have one of the McDonald's theme songs from the early 90s in my head. <laughs> McDonalds. Yeah, so okay, I have a I have an ear for commercials. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> so um the other thing, I I don't know if I've ever really noticed this before, but when he signs her breasts, he's like, um, something about your dreams coming true. And he goes, yours, Cooper Anderson. And when he says yours, Sue goes, mine, all dreamily. <laughs> Again, then can you blame her? No. Uh, and then Cooper dashed on. Uh, so, um, yeah. And then uh, Cooper's talking to Blaine. He says he's happy to be back in the Midwest. <laughs> well, you know, his commercial is on hiatus. <laughs> To press the flesh and really do some background research. (laughs) I I love how how committed. So one of the things that I absolutely love about Matt Bomer is that he's funny. Mm -hmm. He's he's legitimately funny, and I feel like he he doesn't get credit for being as funny as he is because he's as attractive as he is. And so we tend to think of, so I I feel the same way about John Hamm. He's stupidly attractive, 
but he's really, really funny. And so I love the fact that Matt Bomer got to play a character that is so far. Like he's beyond right field. He's out in the bleachers. Um, And, and it's, it's, it's just wonderful to see somebody who you don't see being funny all that often get a chance to be absolutely ridiculous. Well, see, and that's one one of my, um, just a completely random side tangent. I'm really sad. They never made, they never gave Kurt and Blaine more comedic stuff because both Jerry and Chris and Chris Wolfer are hilarious. And I'm like, it just, Oh, so they got, they got too attached to sad Kurt. Oh, that's true. You know, yeah, he, has little- a, he has a wonderful crying face, but an even better smiling face and an even better stupidly in love face, a la like, this episode. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> like, did you watch him when, when so when Blaine and, and Cooper are talking, he's like behind them and he keeps like moving from side to side. It's like, do I go in between them? No. Do I stand next to Blaine? No, I'll go in between them. Oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> it's like, Blaine, your brother's a fucking man in North America and he's just he- like doesn't know what to do with himself he plays this scene so well it is an absolute delight to watch his reactions in this scene (laughs) and and kirk gets great background reactions regardless because for so much of the series they don't give him enough to do in the spotlight and so he's kind of made background scenes his bread and butter but this one just takes the cake yeah (laughs) oh man well and And i mean we we all agree with the or I agree with the fact that playing your brother is the most attractive man in North America. <laughs> I just, I, I see him and it's a clusterfuck of rainbows. I, I don't have very many celebrity crushes. And if anybody ever asks me mine, I automatically go to Matt Bomer. Because he is just a very He's gorgeous a man. Choice. When I, everyone knows of my Darren Chris obsession. All my students, <laughs> they just roll their eyes now at me. Uh, we're not even going to talk about my work in the Chris Colford thing. It just, it's gotten out of control at work. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm like, nope, we're going to go with Matt Bomer. <laughs> yeah, we're not. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, so yeah, next season's commercials have a lot more intense, gritty feel to them. <laughs> yeah, <'cause laughs> character they stuff they that I want. The- Explore. The dancing cop in the background. <laughs> Just he point, well, he pointed in the ad. He did a, point, point in the, the ad. End. So he's obviously feeling, you know, very intense at that particular moment. He's letting people know how he feels. Well, he's, he's a, probably already asked the director for next season's commercials, whether it's comedic or dramatic. Because sometimes it's really hard to tell. And, you know, you need to ask those tough questions, don't you? Because you want to prove that you're an actor who cares. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like, okay, well, we should just, because it is an episode about Blaine, we should probably mention him. Um, (laughs) Poor Blaine. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Blaine finally gets a storyline and it's all about Cooper. But, you know, I, I also have to say, so I will come clean with a very unpopular fandom opinion um, that I was not, I I was in the camp who thought that Blaine should never have transferred to McKinley. I felt like they already had 400 characters. They didn't need more. He was really good in the service of um, 
Kurt's plotline, I don't understand why we needed to add one. This was the first episode where I looked at it and said, okay, I can totally see Blaine being his own character because Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the information about his family and the information about him personally that didn't have anything to do with anybody else. So my baby Blaine (laughs) and baby Blaine. (laughs) I just, I just learned to walk three years ago. <laughs> with with Cooper here though, it's it's interesting to me. I mean, I don't think there's that much of an age difference, is there, between the two of them? Um yeah. I mean it's like ten years. In in real life, there's like a ten year age difference. So I and I don't think we ever got what the age difference was supposed to be because when they do the, you know, the baby Blaine flashbacks and he's like, I just learned to walk three years ago. I assume that the kid's like what five and the, and teenage Cooper looks like 14. Matt Bomer was born in 1977 and Darren Chris was in 87. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, it's amazing to me how much younger Blaine looks in this seat, in this, in this whole episode. He's just right. Well, it, it helps that he's so much shorter than Matt Bomer. And that, you know, I I always make the comment that, you know, we're supposed to believe Junior Blaine, but Junior Blaine would never have a jawline like Darren Chris's. But when when you put it next to Matt Bomer's, he looks young. Yeah. <laughs> because Matt Bomer's jawline is carved out of marble. Well, and this is when um, Darren started playing Blaine younger, too. You, he just, the way, I, I feel like in season two, he, he when he did the mentory stuff, he tried to play it older but here he just kind of like i don't know i don't well, even know how to describe it, also, it it also helps that blaine in this episode is being sulky and yeah. one of the real easy ways to make somebody seem younger than they are is to get sulky which i also think is <clears throat> is a side effect of having a sibling storyline and that's one of the things that i really regret that glee never really did more i don't understand why all of these kids seem to be only children. That's a good yeah. point. I mean, like my, I, every, all of my friends in high school, including myself, we had siblings of close enough age that they were also in school for one, two or three of those years. Yeah. So I, I don't quite understand why nobody on Glee had siblings and we, we pull out the, oh, Kurt and Finn are siblings, but not really. There are certain storylines that you can play with people who have grown up together and been around each other for 12, 13, 14 years that's, uh, that you can't do the same way with people who are just friends. So, like, if Blaine was sulky with friends, it would come off as irritating. But with him sulky with his brother, I'm like, I totally get that because I have lived that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of people have done that, too. And I, I, I love sulky sibling angry for things that you don't need to be angry at Blaine and Cooper in this episode. Well, and I, I don't think Lee did a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah, there's the whole Kurt and Bert thing, but there, there really wasn't a lot of family stuff in general, which is so strange because family is such a very easy source of drama. But I think that they were kind of going towards the, I, I don't know. Glee was just so focused on their whole like Glee Club family thing that they never really fleshed out anything beyond that immediate world. 
So, and, and Kurt and Bert are, is one of one of the rare ones. Finn and his mom is a it's a, one of the rarer combinations. But but when you well, think about it, in terms of like the the most embraced sort of guest characters are the three family members. So we've got Bert, we have Carol, and Cooper are probably yeah. the three most that the entire fandom have embraced these characters. They've become central in all sort of everything that's sort of being, you know, published about these characters, they're, they're the family members that we, because they get those storylines that we can um, connect with and everything like that, the the Holy Holidays and the April Roads and all those sorts of things, we don't because they're just, you know, these ridiculous characters that are put in to serve some kind of a person. Well, they, those, kind, those types of characters don't have the same impact that a father or a mother or a brother would have. Yeah. Like when... When Cooper and Blaine argue in some of the later um, scenes, Mm -hmm. you can very easily imagine that that argument is not just the argument that they're having there, but is the culmination of 10 years of arguments that started back when he was, you know, six and Cooper wouldn't let him go with him to do something. Like, that's one of the things that I love about sibling stories, that they come with easy layers um, that that give some of the arguments more depth, especially the way that Matt and Darren play it. Well, that, I was just going to mention that too, that I, I shout out to, um, they really clicked it. The, the two actors really clicked, clicked together. And I know that they went out and they spent some time together too. Um, and um, still seem to really get along with each other. And, but there's a natural brotherly chemistry. Oh, I can't. I just bit my tongue. Man. I, I totally <laughs> believe them as siblings. And I yeah. totally believe them as siblings who have issues. Mm-hmm. And I I think that that was a wonderful casting choice between the two of them. Um, so Sue pulls uh, uh, man, Cooper away. I kept saying money yeah. to say Darren. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I uh, can't she, talk today. Um, Sue pulls Cooper away, and he's he, she calls him Gaston, like in Beauty and the Beast, yep. and calls Kurt and Blaine ladies again. Um, but I wanted uh, the part where Kurt says, "You know, your brother's the best man, looking man in North America," and Blaine's insecurity comes out here. And yeah. one of the themes in season three for Blaine is his insecurity that that comes out. That like. Yeah, he's got a lot going on that he's a great performer and whatnot, but there are all these little things that are starting to build up, and a lot of it builds up to season four. Um, but this is the, you know, another big thing. Like, I, you know, he's having issues with his brother or the fact that everyone seems to love his brother, and now his boyfriend is, like, drooling over his brother, and he feels insecure about it. Well, that's why he never talks about his brother. As, as Blaine says. I suppose it's in conjunction with us. This is the start of the the arc of um, that sort of separation between him and Kurt because he's worried about Kurt leaving. And so this is compounded now by the fact that this big, you know, boisterous personality of a brother's just arrived in town and is sort of, you know, taking away from that even more, something that he's sort of trying to to cling to in a little bit, sort of like Kurt's enamoured by this person. Yeah. All right, so moving on, we get a scene that isn't part of the uh, Cooper storyline, but I it's one of my favorites. Um, it's all of the seniors with 
Tina and Art. I don't know why, like, half the juniors are here for this. Um, Tina's there because Mike's there, but I think Artie is, too. Um... I don't think he. Oh no! I didn't think he, Artie was. No, he because, because he's not, not going to go with them on their senior ditch day. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because he's going to be. And it's them. after that he talks to Queen about not going to six yeah. Well, anyway, I love all of their ideas and how bad <laughs> they are. <laughs> Adventure Sunhine scavenger hunt. Well, let's watch Footloose at Footloose 2012. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very obvious that some of these kids have never done anything bad in their lives. Mercedes wants wants to do a non-alcoholic pub crawl. And Brittany, they can't they can't even think of reasons to leave school. It's, it's springtime. Spring. I really love something deeper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, okay. Can I just have another Australian interjection? Here? Yes, always. It's, is seeing a ditch day a thing? Yes. Yes. Like, okay. It really is. Uh, it well, is. and a lot of times it's, I don't know, a lot of, like, when we did ours, um, the the school was pretty, like, every year they did it at the same time. So the school was like, okay, the seniors are not going to be here for this. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Oh, yeah. We, all, we, all, we just picked a different day each year. We completely screwed with them. It was great. Yep. But, yeah, okay. it is a big thing. It is big. Yeah. Okay. It's not here at all. Well, not for where I am. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this is one of those things that pretty across America is pretty standard, I think. So, and it's all ruined by Rachel getting emotional over Quinn. She makes she, it all about her. She does, and that was the first thing that I thought of when I saw that. It was like, oh, you've really succeeded in making this tragedy all about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that is a running theme um, throughout the rest mm-hmm. of these eight episodes. Well, I mean, it's Rachel in the series, but like, yeah, I, I'm going to just be oh, God, Rachel, and this is getting into stuff that drives me crazy. So, um, Mel, I know you're doing props and nationals, and I apologize <laughs> beforehand. I'm prepared for it. Because I'm, pro- I'm sort of right on the line with you as well. Yeah, so, because I'm, it just, it's going to be a bloodbath. So, yeah. Ooh, yay! I mean, I'm interested in listening to this a normal amount. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. It's not about Queen. It's about Rachel feeling sorry for yeah. herself. And yeah, I do. I, we'll touch upon a little bit of the Rachel stuff um, at the end too, because there's some. She's uh, yeah, whatever. Anyway, it's, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because this is also where um, Puck's going to go off and do a pool cleaning business. And he asks Finn to go with him. Kind of wish that would have been a thing. That would have been kind of cool I don't cool think that see. was a bad idea. I kind of feel like that would have been a really solid choice for Finn. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Like, Puck has thought of, like, you can go to school. This can be a job to help you support you as you go yeah. through school. This is, that makes sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, you lazy idiots, let's get on with this. <laughs> Ladies and gays. She like mic drops the, the whiteboard marker. It's like, all right, lazy yep. idiot, boom. <laughs> and I like how she's like, it's Porcelain's brother. Actually, it's my brother. <laughs> oh, I really do love Sue in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> I love I love mean ridiculous Sue. 
I just love it. I love Cooper just loves her too. Just like I'm going to go yeah. in for the big kiss. She's applauding me. I'm going to love her back. Well, he has, he has found a fan who will shower him with praise and let him touch boob. So yeah. he's totally <laughs> down with this. Since the rest of the, since the rest of the girls in the scene are all underage and that's statutory. That's true. <laughs> Um, I love that he begins with Namaste as if he's some kind of cultured. <laughs> he, he hits all of the all of the LA stereotypes. Yeah. He has hit every single one. It's fantastic. Oh man. But when he sort of he starts giving his spiels, you know, it's not long ago that I was like in the same place as you, thinking that my dreams would never come true. But then they did. And Sam's there and he's gives this like fist bump. He's like, Yeah. It's like my dreams are gonna come true as well. <laughs> <laughs> I just watch him just makes me laugh every time. I'm like, You're adorable. These <laughs> kids are not skeptical about this guy at all. I know, which is kind <laughs> of weird because half of them are like always oh, even Santana has not a snarky thing to say. Like <laughs> It's so it's funny. The, it's the power of Matt Bomer's blue eyes. <laughs> I think at one point when I was like making notes on the masterclass, it's like, are they really this stupid? Yeah, like, only for this episode. <laughs> they 100% are this stupid. And I love <laughs> them for it. Yeah. Well, really, but for this episode, though, I mean, they kind of changed. They went for extremely cracky great, extremely cracky glee. And they do that. Whenever there's a really serious episode, they kind of follow it up with something just insane. And this is one of those times. (laughs) And you know, this is the type, this is the type of glee that I love. I want it to be cracky and over the top and wrong on certain levels. And this hits all of those buttons because of course you would believe this random guy who comes in going, you should point at people. <laughs> That's how you're going to be an effective actor. <laughs> well, and then for this one, um, for this, first of all, Cooper mentions he's going to do a master's master class in acting, and Will is like, "Yes, isn't this great?" And I'm like, "Really, Will? I mean, like, even you're not even like, <laughs> why is Cooper even there? Really, when you think about it, but whatever. We don't Who need to think about it. Cares." <laughs> Cooper's there. Matt was contracted for an episode. I, I, in most episodes, I will be like, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't follow the plot. We should actually have things that are logical. You know what? Screw that. This is delightful. Let's go with this. <laughs> and then, you know, and that's for, for this episode and episodes like this, I do suspend, man, I do suspend my disbelief. It, it Sometimes Glee doesn't need to make any sense. This is one of them. I, I feel yeah. like Glee is best when it's not trying to make a whole lot of sense. Like, yeah. I don't really enjoy the um, the the special episodes. So, yeah. the, you know, don't text and drive. We're going to have a school shooting. We're going to have this bully threaten your life. We're going to have, like, all of these really mm. serious real-life things that I don't think that the show is capable of giving the proper amount of weight or plot to. Well, I will argue about the bullying stuff. I think that was really effective in season two, but I, I did not enjoy it. So I will be on the other, the other end of it from you. Um, But I, I feel like Lee is best when it's a bit wrong and cracky. And this type of episode is my favorite at the same time when it goes too far, it goes too far. And I will cite previously on aired Christmas for that. I think that yes. 
that was just a pile of junk. But that's just me too. So, but it I think it's a pile of junk because it didn't go far enough. If they had really committed to being AU, I think that it could have been more of a winner. True. As it is now, the way that they did it was a pile of junk. But yeah, they. They could have done better. Well, getting into, um, we get Rachel, who is just as excited about all of this, because she thinks that they they did little duets next to the piano, and she gets all excited about that. And, of That's, course, they probably did. And probably I, I want to just take a second to think about little Cooper and little Blaine running around Aww. singing Duran Duran in the neighborhood. <laughs> so, one of my favorite things, I will, um, and... Razor Sharp Quill on Tumblr has reminded me of this, that I did not like this song when they first came out with the music. I hated my first listening to it because it was very overproduced. I'm like, this is dumb. Why would they do this? Um, But with the choreography and the two of them, I absolutely adore it. And one of the things that I love the most about it, so Glee for a lot of numbers will do big expansive costumes and lighting and things that obviously either take place in their fantasy minds or they have spent all of their high school construction budget on buying costumes for this glee club of losers um but the choreography for this song that cooper and blaine do looks like the type of choreography that two kids in a living room would come up with. It's very simple choreography. It's something that six, seven-year-old Blaine could totally do with Cooper. It's a little sidestepping. It's a little kicking. It's a little, you know, spin around in circles. It looks like something that kids and teenagers could come up with. And it is adorable to me. And I love it so, so much. I... Wish it wasn't so produced because there's this a really funny moment when Blaine starts to sing in lower register, but it's not Blaine. It's a computerized synthesized, like whatever. And she's just like, well, how is he doing that? (laughs) Yeah. You can't do that naturally. It just isn't a thing. It is the, the sound of it is totally overproduced, but the visuals is visually it's great. I love, um, was it you or was it snark yesterday? Who was like, uh, uh, the, when we were doing the meme stuff and, uh, doing, um, (laughs) and the best one was right here where the cardigan's coming off. (laughs) Oh, that was snarky. But I mean, 100% that is, uh, that is the beginning of many a story in my head (laughs) because the cardigan is coming off. (laughs) <laughs> well and they have Blaine at this point dressing so much like Grandpa Blaine it's yeah but anyway I mean it, it's why one of my favorite lines is you could have Kurt stop picking out your clothes well, he, he, he doesn't um, the one thing I want to say about this it's I, really kind of funny to me um, Cooper so when they spurt, when they really start getting into it, Cooper goes over to Kurt and he starts wiggling his butt, and that is yes, when Blaine gets on the piano. <laughs> he's like, he, he is the biggest jealous puppy at that point, but he's trying so hard not to be like, I'm not jealous of my brother shaking his junk in my boyfriend's face. Stop that! I'm gonna get on a piano. <laughs> Kurt, look at me! Look at me, Kurt! Kurt, over here! Please ignore my stupidly attractive brother and look at me. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And then, yeah, really, the 
this whole scene is absolutely wonderful. Again, it's fun, dense moves. And because they're siblings, there's obviously a deeper layer of, I'm jealous of what you're doing. You're not just pushing me out of the scene this one time. It's you always push me out of the scene. You're my big brother. Why are you doing this to me? There's so many other things that are going on subtextually because they are siblings that makes the scene a winner to me. Exactly. Right on the the point where there's a lot of, you know, Blaine struggling to keep up with Cooper and wanting to show him up. And, and yeah, it's just awesome. Cooper literally... Because Blaine is used to being, he was the star of the Warblers. He was, he's used to being the, the dapper center of attention. And then in comes Cooper, who obviously throughout the entire years that they were in the house together was the type of older sibling who, when their parents brought out the video camera to record them at Thanksgiving, Cooper jumped in front of him and shoved him out of the frame while they were singing the Thanksgiving song. I mean, it's obviously something that happened and Blaine, it's bringing up all of those things that Blaine, who is not used to sharing the spotlight lately, is having to re-deal with. Well, and coming off of uh, um, the plot line where Finn, even though this was back in the first eight, Finn, like, doesn't want him to have the spotlight too. Again, it goes with those insecurities and brain out uh, Blaine with with, uh, flaws. Back to sort of what you were just saying about the Warblers. It's like, here's an idea for you. How would Cooper have been received by the Warblers? Because they oh. were, because Blaine was their Cooper. Like, I, what, I would pay, I would pay money to see that. Does anybody have a fic that is Cooper, Cooper meeting the Warblers? Cooper Anderson in a Warblers blazer. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Speaking of clothing, I, I did have to give a shout out to what he's wearing in the scene. It's so simple, yeah. and yet it is the most amazing thing. Like, yeah, one of, one of those horrible things with never getting enough backstory. Like, did Cooper go to Dalton? I don't think he did. did Cooper, I don't think he did either. But if they live in this area, wouldn't he have gone to McKinley? If Blaine's obviously, you know, supposed to be. Um, he lives in that school district. Wouldn't Blaine have gone no, to McKinley? Or? Not necessarily. And just as coming from oh. somebody who moved all the time, I went to five different schools growing up. Um, and we stayed in Michigan. I mean, we didn't leave the state, but we moved everywhere. So, I mean, there's 10 years between them. I can totally see Cooper graduating and then, you know, Blaine's parents moving somewhere. And, um, you know, then I think Dalton stuff came about because Blaine was being bullied, but that's my yeah. own head cannon. Yeah. But I still want him in a blazer. <laughs> well, you can still have him in a blazer. That's fine. I, I just want Cooper in a blazer. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to be in the corner for a moment. I just need to collect myself. <laughs> Again, if anybody has any sort of manips about this or has fix about this, it would be gratefully received. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like Cooper Anderson a normal amount. Do you, do you like um, Cooper Anderson with an Irish accent? <laughs> Cheers. The service industry is a wonderful place to try out new accents. So, <laughs> no, you know, this um, podcast 
is great for my transitions, that's for sure. Um. <laughs> so one of the things that I adore about the, them eating together is that we get Blaine with a knife and a fork for his salad. You know, I love that. that. He is, he's a super neat eater, and I feel like when we think about family as Kirk as this prim and proper, every time in canon we see Kurt eating, he's shoving it into his face <laughs> to fist it. Yeah, Kurt is not Kurt is not as graceful. He is diving into the ice cream, he is <laughs> sticking his fingers in his hot chocolate, and there's Blaine with a knife and fork gingerly cutting everything into tiny bite-sized pieces. I, I love it. I think one but of the season five when he's got like a cupcake and he gets out a knife and a fork to eat the cupcake. <laughs> And I'm like, they make Kurt so graceful. And I'm like, have you ever watched Kurt? He is the least graceful person. He, I mean, he is an angry kitty cat who will shove his face in the food bowl. <laughs> I mean, that is literally who Kurt Hummel is. Yeah. Oh, and, then, and then there's Blake. <laughs> then there's Cooper, who's like, I'm too cool for this breadsticks place, but you know. Blaine did. Blaine would do that. Blaine did that. Oh, I wonder if their mom gave them money to go out to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. I bet Cooper's broke. (laughs) I have one. You know, Cooper probably has like seven roommates back in LA. (laughs) Probably. He he probably has seven roommates. He lives on a couch that he's rented from somebody who hasn't. an actual nine to five, consistently paying job. <laughs> I can I can put a scene with like um, the 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 guys at the start of Zoolander, or the, like the, the <laughs> oh sweet Jesus, yeah. Oh sweet Jesus, yeah. Oh man. Um, oh my god! Now I want Cooper to star in like Zoolander three. <laughs> <laughs> he would fit right in there. Oh my god. He would fit right in because he would be the one who makes the Broadway theater for kids who dance but can't sing real good. <laughs> Because we should probably talk. Uh, 
amazing life in LA that I feel like has not been fully explored by Um, getting back to the scene. Um, uh, with what I, I love this moment mostly because it kind of reminds me of my mother. To be honest with you, bless her. I love my mother to death, so I feel bad saying that. But we're. She would be the poor waitress. But the, the, where Cooper's like, you did a really great job. You were pitchy on Rio, though, and you lacked the theme, but you were wonderful. And my, my sorry, poor... I thought the theme was dancing. <laughs> I just feel so bad, because my mother is delightful, but she doesn't really realize when she's being critical. She's like, you're amazing. You could really do this better, but you are amazing. Come on. <laughs> I also super smart with, you know, Stanislavski says that this is the ears, something's the toes. I forget the actual what, Yeah, um... Stanislavski says the fingers are the eyes and body, but he never mentions that the toes are the ears. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying so hard to be smart and to impress. And, and that's one of the things that I don't think that people mention enough, is that Cooper's also trying to impress yeah. I mean, he's really trying to play into the, I'm a successful actor, I left this, you know, bump up town, and I went and made something of myself, when, if anybody stopped and looked at it critically, yep. yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's one thing, like, I know Cooper is completely a cartoon character, but at the same time, there are some similarities between Cooper and Blaine. Yeah. Are they so both? Yeah. Both of them are so utterly insecure about and their like, station in life. Yeah. And just crying out for validation. And like, so, you know, tell me that I'm doing something good. Tell me that I'm, you know, they need which that makes, Which makes me feel like as much as we get Blaine not getting the sort of validation from his father that he obviously wants, I don't think that Cooper did either. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're both really crying out for for attention and for validation and for somebody to say, I'm proud of you, which is why I would also just kill for some solid Cooper Burt because Burt is basically everybody's dad. And I feel like Cooper could use some solid Hummel. I'm proud of you. son. Well, and Cooper would be crying in the Hummel kitchen and nobody would know what was going on. And then Carol would walk in having seen those commercials and then going, Oh my god, the most attractive man in North America is in my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> she and Kurt would nibble on a cookie together. I don't know why I got yeah, that image in my head. They'd be like the bench with like their, their head their chin in their hands just watching. Yes, <laughs> they would. <laughs> I just want somebody to to tell Cooper that he's he's doing a good job, he's okay, just as much as I want somebody to tell Blaine that he's doing a good well, job. Well, and I almost okay. wonder if like Again, I probably will probably end up doing this way more in depth than the other episode, but like you think about it, Cooper is kind of out of control in some way, but I wonder how far Blaine would have gone. Blaine must have at some point in his life, I don't know, I mean, he has a relatively healthy relationship with Kurt and his dad and all this, you know, what would have happened if like he didn't go to Dalton and didn't get, you know, didn't eat Kurt and whatever? I mean, would he turn into a Cooper too? Either he would have turned into Cooper or he would have crawled so far up into a shell that nobody yeah. would have been able to get anything out of him. Yeah. 
So, um, we oh, get my poor Blaine. Yeah. yeah, I get the feeling Blaine would be more likely to retreat. Yeah, yeah. than to project. That is good point. Like, yeah. Yep. My thought. I agree. Um, so we get the little flashback, um, and I want to say, just as a really quick note, they cast, for young Blaine, they cast an actor who was half white, half Asian, or I think he was Japanese. Um, and just because a lot of people were, like, really mad at the casting of Cooper, uh, Matt Bomer, that it completely erased any kind of, um, I don't know, I don't know, just... They, they, they went out of their way. They made sure that the cast, the, the, the kid reflected um, kind I never of that. Really understand why, I never really understood why people got so angry thinking that the casting of Matt Bomer negated the idea that Blaine wasn't white. Uh, because there's such a big age gap between them. And until... Uh, Pam Anderson came on. My head canon was always that they had the same father, but they had different mothers. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they have the because, same mom and not the same dad. Right. Um, they would have the same surname. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's I, I mean, true. So, it, I mean, there's such a big age gap between them that it's very, it's very likely that they could have had at least one parent different due to a remarriage. That's true. I, even I, if, I don't, but even if you had, I mean, like, you could have had Pam, she got pregnant when she was a teenager, had Cooper, and then she married somebody, like, Mr. Anderson, yeah. and yeah. they changed the kid's name because, you know, you didn't want, you know, I could easily see that. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I think everybody has their own headcanon on it, but. Right. But I, I think that those are very, you know, easy and as supported by canon as anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we get poor little Blaine. He's trying to dance to Hanson. <laughs> I, I only learned to walk two years ago. I mean, God bless him. I, I like what, how they... Wasn't that, wasn't that kid who was young Cooper, was he the young Superman in Man of Steel? I've never I watched know, it. I know he was in Teen Wolf. Yes! Yes, he was. He played, he played one of the new... Before I stopped watching that. Um, he, was, he was young Darren. I think when he got to no, he was no, he was a character on his own. He was like the first one that. The who's the the main one? He turned in. Was like the first one that he turned. I think pretty sure. He was Dylan. He wasn't Scott. No, he got turned. Was like the first person that got turned into a werewolf. I think this was a Dylan Sprayberry name. Is. I'm positive. Okay. Yeah. I it was a lot. Did not watch that far into the show. No, and I stopped <laughs> watching it a little not long after that. I've lost it. Yeah, I've never watched any of it, so I can't comment on it. Um, I will say, then it gets yeah. bad. You know what's funny about the Anderson household here that I'm looking at this still. I know a lot of people. The Anderson household that doesn't actually exist. <laughs> yeah, as much, you know, the Andersons are always perceived as this really rich family. And this is such a hodgepodge of junk that I'm like, maybe they're like accountants. I don't know. But I mean, Pam Anderson is supposed to be a, an Avon lady, but 
it, I'm wondering if it was like one of those families who once had a lot of money and now they don't really anymore. Because this, I mean, it's like a leather couch and a really nice wooden table, but then the the tacky curtains and the really tacky art on the wall. And I just, um, I just assumed that was the playroom. Oh, well, that could be. Yeah. So that's where the boys make their mess. Uh huh. They they let Baby Blaine decorate it. <laughs> That's so and sweet. And Baby Blaine, at five or six years old, has not quite gotten the uh, the design aesthetics <laughs> that his future boyfriend, Kurt Hummel, would approve of. <laughs> Can you imagine, though, Baby Blaine and Baby Kurt like designing a, a bedroom <laughs> or a I house? Mean, I, I don't write. <laughs> I didn't mean specifically. I don't write much thick, but I have written a couple of like first grade Blaine and first grade Kirk together that. I, I mean, baby Blade and baby Kirk is just adorable in my brain. (laughs) (sighs) All right, so getting back to the episode, we're not even halfway through this, guys. (laughs) Did you really expect anything different? (laughs) Hey, at least we're really focusing and staying on topic. Right. I feel like we're actually talking about characters who are part of this episode, so we should get a gold star because it does not always happen this way. (laughs) Yeah, usually we're talking about Cooper anyway, and he's not in any other episode. Exactly, but now he's here, and so it's on topic. <laughs> I mean, I, I could throw his banner in the works and, and mention Kurt Hummel's bulging pink underwear. We could go with that. Do we know how Cooper Anderson would feel about Kurt Hummel's bulging pink sack? He would love a bulging pink sack. All of the stuff that was inside that, he'd be on that in a second. He really would, but I wonder if Cooper would want to make his own bulging pink sack. Yes. And we've broken Pam. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's about an hour and a quarter in. This is about the time where we usually break her, so... Alright, anyway, focus. Focus. Hey, hey, little brother. You know, there's an age difference between us, but I really want to be closer to you. But this table is in the way, so that's not going to help. Uh, oh, don't worry, <laughs> you'll get your hug. Oh. Well... We'll all get your hug. You know, and even though, now that I think of it, that even though the, the totally cartoonishness of Cooper, there is a line through here of Cooper, he does really like his little brother, and he doesn't, he's just so oblivious to what's going on. And that's a, a Blaine trait, too. He kind of just goes inward and doesn't really, like, I don't know. He's, he's trying to communicate with Cooper, but not really hard, and yeah. You know, I think, that, I think oblivious is one way to put it. I think another way to put it is that they're both kind of bulldozery. You know, they pick a path and they go for it full strength. And that can be a wonderful attribute and it can also be a really alienating attribute because you can feel like somebody's not really paying attention to you and not really getting you. And it's something that we see with both of them. It's obviously an Anderson family trait. And I think that it's very obvious that Cooper wants to connect with Blaine, Mm -hmm. but he's having a hard time articulating that in a way that makes Blaine feel valued. And it's like, I'm just sorry. This is so weird. We've just done all this like PD at work about communicating with people and all this sort of stuff and about assuming a positive intent. So when somebody else is doing something and, like, you feel like they're being horrible to you or trying to take over something that you're doing, 
to sort of shift you thinking, okay, maybe they are trying to help. You need to assume a positive intent. And I feel like this is what these two actually need to be doing with each other because, yes, Cooper is coming across as brash and anything like that, but at the end, you know, when they actually talk and Blaine realises, oh, he's trying to, he's actually trying to help me and Mm -hmm. trying to encourage me. I think that that's a really great way to look at it. And I hadn't thought about that because, I mean, you know, he's come back to Ohio and he's making a very obvious attempt to spend time with Blaine. He's going out to lunch with him. He's coming to his school. And these are things that Cooper doesn't have. He's going out of his way to do. And if we assume a positive intent, (laughs) he wants to connect with his baby brother because due to age difference and geographic distance, he really hasn't been able to forge the sort of bond that siblings who are closer in age would have been able to do. Right. I think on top of that, now that I think of it, Blaine's insecurity is coming out. Here are like all of these people really liking Cooper, and he doesn't think Cooper really cares for him all that much, too. I mean, we talk about like he wants to be loved too, but also like I, you know, I want you know, I want Cooper's attention as well, and I want Cooper to like me. And, you know, there's just a whole lot going there's on. A, there's a big part of, you know, why why does Cooper like my friends more than he likes me? Yeah. Why do my friends like Cooper more than he likes, than they like me? Which you also see with siblings who are very close in age. You know, my sister and I are very close in age, and we went through a phase of, so people on the podcast have seen, I am, I am a very brash, I am a very talkative, I have never met a stranger type of person. And I'm, I'm very Cooper-like. My sister is very Blaine-like. Um, and so there was a, quite a bit of time where there was, why do my friends like you more than me? And I'm like, your friends don't like me more than they like you. I just made them like me because we were in the same room your friends really like you, please trust that. And I kind of feel like Cooper and Blaine are going through that same sort of process in this episode. Your friends don't like Cooper more than they like you. He's just new and shiny and in their face. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So um, we actually get more Quinn and Artie stuff where, you know, Quinn gets to learn how to roll up a, a ramp. And yeah, then she tells... Is it wrong? that I actually really enjoyed the Quinn and Artie scenes in this episode. Well, yeah, I thought, that they were, I thought that they were really well done, and I thought that for all that I say, you know, Lee should be ridiculous and not tackle um, real-life situations, I kind of felt like the, you know, temporarily disabled versus someone who is in a wheelchair permanently conversations and debates that Quinn and Artie had were surprisingly well handled. Yeah. And I, I say that very hesitantly when it comes to a lot of things that Glee does with Artie because uh, Artie. Yeah. Artie. <laughs> but I, I thought that it was surprisingly well handled and I also really liked their voices together. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame they really didn't do anything because after this she's going to go like have a somewhat romance with Joe. Um, but That's the dreadlock. Right. Yeah, it's the it's the the, the, the yeah. one who doesn't wear shoes. Yes, yeah. because 
Ew, why would you walk in those hallways without shoes? That's just a walking staff infection. Don't do that. Well, but Jesus didn't wear shoes. Yes, but he's not Jesus. Well, he's tan Jesus. Uh, I kind of feel like I have to say I paused it on a silken I, I usually scroll through the, the episode As we, we do these things And Artie has got a sweater on That has tractors and champagne glasses I mean, I'm sorry I totally didn't catch that And I kind of want to own that sweater <laughs> I didn't notice until just now I'm like wait a minute is that a yeah, it, Oh my god what kind of sweater is this it's bizarre. I wonder if that's one that they made specifically for that or if that's one that you could actually put I'm sure you could just purchase it. I'm sure it's some kind of random Oh, it's You know, so it's weird. probably some four thousand dollar sweater, which <laughs> just makes me angry. Uh so anyway, okay, so getting into the master class where every line is quotable. This this <laughs> okay. is gold. Okay, so it let's set it up. We've got we've got Cooper. On the background, in the background, on the board, it's a, it's got oh. the the comedy and and tragedy masks, and, and then his headshots, his headshots, and it says now playing. <laughs> I mean, sweet Jesus in heaven, this is this is probably one of my top three favorite scenes that Glee has ever done, just because it is bonkers. <laughs> yeah. And he said, you can just tell that Matt Boyer is just going to that, and he's just not yet. Yeah. I remember, so I don't actually get into a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, but I remember him talking about how he based the character of Cooper on one of his actual acting teachers oh. from, from very early in his career. And I'm pretty sure that he stole the emotion tornado from that oh. acting teacher. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. Like, this is a real thing that somebody was like, here, in all seriousness, this is something you should do. <laughs> do you know what I... not get to see what the emotion tornado actually was. Do you know what I think of whenever they say emotion tornado? You know that gif from the third... From the third time? <laughs> <laughs> I think Pat and Blaine are well past that at this point. There's the gif! From the first time, where they're after they're yelling in the car, and, and Kurt twirls around, and everybody's like emotional twirl. That's what I think of when I think of emotional tornado or whatever it is. Well, if, if we think about the deleted scene, he does have a moment before he gets into Deputy Roscoe that he says, "I just need to do a little tornado work with his wrist twisting." <laughs> so apparently, that's part of the emotion tornado. <laughs> Which, whenever he says emotion tornado, all I have is this mental image of Cooper spinning around like Wonder Woman and changing into an American bustier. Emotion <laughs> And I kind of want that as an art piece now. Okay, so let's crime. let's break this scene down. Um, first, he advises not to go to college because you know he didn't well, go to college. The first line is, "I'm about to give you a tall glass of this is how it is." <laughs> <laughs> Which I have used in everyday language before because that is an amazing turn of phrase. So, I feel like I just need to start using that at the start of all of my classes when I'm about to introduce a new topic. All right, kids, this is a tall glass. This is how it is. <laughs> Don't go to college. Yes, 100% you should do that. And I lo- every- I'm looking at this scene and everybody is, except for Puck. And then obviously Blade is writing this down. And the look on everybody's faces is just amazing. 
<laughs> like, there's some I, fantastic background work in this scene. I feel like my favorite of the background reactions is Sam. Because Sam is totally into everything that Cooper is saying. <laughs> I mean, he is like, yes, yes, this is what we got. This is what we got to do. Rachel is 100% into this with, for someone who has spent her entire life assured that she is going to be famous, I can't believe that she is buying what Cooper is selling, but I I love that she does. I do like that the entire- It totally makes her seem like a, six, like a normal 16-year-old. I, I do like during the entire time how confused Finn is. He's just lost. He's just like, I don't- but, <laughs> Alright, so rule number two, theater is lame and Broadway is dead. Don't go to New York. <laughs> and Rachel's like, oh my god. Everybody bought it! basically made Broadway their bread and butter. Like, yes, yes, Broadway is dead. Like, Kurt and Rachel just looking at each other like, what are we gonna do? <laughs> Real actors do TV and film, which means Hollywood is where it's at. So now let's talk headshots. Check into a post. <laughs> and here's one and here's another and one last one <laughs> even Mike is like wow <laughs> you know they're probably all distracted by his good looking face I'm sure I would be it's like yes of course I, why would I ever think that you know I should ever go to Broadway when I could just listen to your face and your mouth and say these words Cooper Anderson is standing in front of them, literally blue stealing as he fake. <laughs> I mean, he, he, is, he is one scene away from being confused at a small city and wondering if the school is for ants. <laughs> God bless him. Uh, so a good headshot is how you get your first callback. Yes. <laughs> you get a side, and then your foot's in the door. <laughs> Really That's and I love that that is kind of how it encapsulates Glee. Like Glee knows that it just plays the line all the time, and I love that line. Is it comedic or is it dramatic? Glee. This this whole episode was Glee basically playing jump rope with their own reality. Yeah, and <laughs> I I love everything that this scene is. It is over the top. It is ridiculous. It is terrible, terrible information. It is the kids totally soaking this up. It is them acting way over what they should be. It is it is ridiculous and it is wonderful and it's everything that I love about this show. I love that yeah. his next line is, um, it, is it comedic or dramatic? It's often hard to tell. <laughs> But you know, as a as a good actor, you should just ask the director is this comedic or dramatic. See, and, and the, that I think that you are a serious actor who is interested in your craft. He's not afraid to ask the hard questions. <laughs> and I love that. I think the reason that it works so well with these kids being kind of overly invested more than they would be was to make Blaine's sulkiness just stand out more. Because I love the moment when Kurt's like writing it down. He's like, "Why are you writing this down?" so angry that this is a thing that's happening and I, I and you know normally I would 
not enjoy a sulky character because there's very little that's entertaining about a sulky character. You just want to tell them to put on their big girl panties and deal, as my mother would say. But with this scene, sulky Blaine makes what? it. Yeah. It, he, he just makes it. It's, he is so audience standing for all yeah. of this ridiculous, ridiculous thing. Because we're all sitting there going, this is terrible advice. Why would you follow that? Why are you writing this down? Yep. He is the yep. voice of the audience in this scene, and it works so well. And I, I love, like, next, um, like, Cooper asks a question, and Rachel's like, you know, you should really connect with your scene partner, which is actually good advice. And Cooper's like, no. No. <laughs> That's the thing that the living too stuff. <laughs> you know. Class, to a he, dramatic Oh, that's right. Yeah, what's the case? He, the he, thing. Yeah. he doesn't pay attention to what his scene partner is doing because that will ruin all of the pre-made choices that he has made. <laughs> like eating a roast beef. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Blade. It's again, he's like, that's not true at all. But nobody cares. <laughs> that's with the point. So that's the key to dramatic scene pointing. Like when people are really emotional, they point their fingers a lot. And Blade's like, that's not true. Hey, and but, like, but, you know, I, I've already made the choices for the scene, like screaming all of my lines because I'm really intense, and all of the feelings that I'm feeling are really intense. You know, like Nicholas Cage, <laughs> who is, you know, the best actor out there. So, <laughs> but I, um, you know, uh, um, I, the, oh, go ahead with that with that pointing stuff. With like, like that's not true. And keeps that and you an international celebrity spokesperson for the internet's fastest growing credit score website. And you just hear this Rachel in the background going, no. Somebody says no, too. I don't know who his voice It's a girl's voice, but. Rachel. Was it Rachel? It's just really quiet. No, it's not. <laughs> but, like, but Blaine looked could cut glass. I mean, he is just so angry at everything that's happening in this scene. But Cooper's here for wonderful. him. Let's focus, because I'm here for you. <laughs> now, Nathan makes the emotional sibling, why won't you just support me outburst all the more painful? Because it's like, yes, I want him to support you, Muffin, but all of this is ridiculous, and you are obviously bringing up a fight that you've been having for the past you know what else? I wonder if Cooper really does feel everything really intensely, though. <laughs> Honestly, because I feel like he feels everything intensely, I I totally think that Cooper feels everything intensely. <laughs> These Anderson boys, I mean, they feel, they feel things. Man. They have a lot of emotions coursing through them. They, I mean, of course, either of them would angrily sing down a hallway. <laughs> for them to, you know, break out into song and intense bursts of emotion. I feel like this is just like older brother, younger brother stuff. <sighs> you're both like this. Just accept that you're both more alike than you think. Yeah. Alright, so, um, because, you know, it's Blaine's class and they're so awesome and giving him lots of attention, uh, <laughs> we're gonna go to level two, guys. <laughs> He's got some side. We're, we're gonna pull out some NCIS, which I love... I love Cuts. My grandma loves this show. <laughs> My nana loves it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And it's like, okay, don't look at each other. A man in a dress is dead. 
at the start when Rachel like like the whole pointing in Blaine's face that always makes me think of that post that circulates on Tumblr with that like I thought I was straight for you I thought I was straight the look on Blaine's face well, okay, wait, going back just a second, though, let's, okay, so they change scenes, and you, they're now doing the scene, and Tina is on the floor being the, the man the in man. the dress. <laughs> I mean, who else was going to be the man, the dead man in a dress? Was anybody else wearing a dress? That's the question. It well, was Rachel always was. going to be <laughs> Well, and I love the pointing, I love Plains to State, and yes, my favorite line of this whole episode <laughs> is, things are serious, a man in a dress is dead. That phrase is just so useful for so many things in my everyday life. And I feel like the people in my everyday life don't appreciate it enough when I bring it out. <laughs> because yeah. I have I have used it at certain points with, well, you know, we're just in a tough spot because a man in the rest is dead. And they look at me like, I just don't understand. It's like, well, if you were Cooper Anderson, <laughs> you would understand. Because a man in a dress is dead. <laughs> the scene is just magic. At this point, I only noticed it with a gift going around that while these two are like getting into their whole like, you know, when the choice were wrong, it's actually a good sign and then you're on the edge. Because <laughs> moment like Rachel like bends down and she like she's like picking up Tina's hand like she's just and it's just popping <laughs> And Blaine is just standing there going, That's not true. <laughs> This is this is such a bad idea. Why are you paying attention to this ridiculous man? You know, and and to, not to totally bring down our, our laughter and fun because it is a lot of fun. But something that I thought was interesting about this scene is that when Blaine like blows up, everything that Cooper does is to cover up the fact that there's an issue here. Cooper doesn't want to deal with it. Oh, it's yeah. not that he's that obtuse about it. It's that he's like, okay, we're going to pretend Blaine is, like, getting into the scene like I said, you know? Yeah. Are you talking to me right now? Because I can't tell to me. If you're talking to me, you're not pointing. Because you're not pointing. Yeah. Oh. Oh, Blaine. But the, oh, but, Cooper. Oh, both of them. <laughs> oh, Tina. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I, that's, I don't know. I just, there's just a level of. You know, again, this is such a ridiculous episode, but there is a level of complexity in the end of the scene that, that there's more going on than just the ridiculousness. Yeah. So. And I and I think that that's also that's a big thing about having a sibling on. You know, that there are levels to it, and Cooper and Blaine have levels to it, and God bless them. They should have brought Cooper back. Mm-hmm. All right. Like for the wedding, they should have brought Cooper. You know, back and um, uh, to mention it in the deleted in, in not, it's not a deleted scene, but in the script, um, Blaine's mom does mention Cooper and says that he wished that he, she wished no, he wished that he could be there, which is a little weird because they don't know that Blaine and Craig are getting married, so I'm sure that's why they cut it. Um, <laughs> but um. Yeah, why was Blaine's mother even there in the first place? To be part of the Trouble Tones and do their makeup? I don't know. That's In the script, it has to do with the makeup stuff, because she's an Avon lady, and, and Brittany and Santana asked. Yeah, that is why I the script. I never got that. Oh, my I God. Totally that. It still doesn't make much sense, though. <laughs> so that Blaine can have some family members there when he gets married. You know what? We'll just have to do an emotion tornado and ignore that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, all right. Um, 
Moving on into the episode, we get some of the pool cleaning stuff where Finn and Puck are doing pool cleaning. Um, and then we get um, some more of this Will and Emma and Sue baby stuff. That Okay. Fine. Can I just say that Sue's line about her not loving boys about women, will someone give me a straight answer as to why they have nipples? Yes. <laughs> yes. One of my favorite things that boys said. Boys have a hard time aiming when they're peeing. They're yeah. disgusting. And why will why will somebody not tell me why they have nipples? <laughs> you know, there's a book um, called Why Do Men Have Nipples. I mean, right? I can I yeah, can there is. That um, it's a it's a it's a trivia book about random facts, and it does answer the question why men have nipples. Check it out. Do, do people not know why men have nipples? I'm guessing there are people that don't. Uh, so the answer to that question is that when you're first formed in the womb, all fetuses start out female until male characteristics start to show. And so that's why you have nipples. Because there you, you start out as, everybody starts out as female. The more you know, the, the more you know. Da, 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 da. So, yeah, there you go. All right. Um, moving on. some learn on on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the one with the male nipples. There we go. The one, the one with the male nipples. <laughs> I, I, I swear, well, I would like Cooper Anderson for being with a nipple. I'm back again. And we are about to get up to the whole shower point. Why? Uh, now, before we go into that, why every one of my freaking, um, I gotta get away from doing this. It's like some kind of sexual innuendo lately. All of my titles have been really awful <laughs> lately. I need to stop doing well, that. There's only so many ways you can take a Duralog. <laughs> Duraflame? <You know. laughs> That's because we they mentioned Duraflame in the script like 800 times. I know, but it was wonderful. <laughs> I had never noticed that before yeah. until that was pointed out on the podcast. It was like, oh, sweet Jesus, this is true. Yeah. All right, so next we get Cooper kind of wandering the halls because he can, and Brittany takes a picture with the lens cap on. And Rory is apparently a thing. I keep on forgetting this kid exists. Yeah, we're getting down to the point now that Joe is here and far more interesting. Rory has so taken is, a backseat. Is Rory still a thing after this? No, after after season three, he goes back to Ireland and he makes one cameo in season four's Christmas episode, which you're going to watch. And uh, <laughs> um, and that's it. That's really all we get of Rory, which is fine. But we do have the wonderful comment that he banged the progressive insurance lady. Yep. lady. Yep. He hasn't met George Cleaning. He nope. hasn't had sex with the progressive insurance one. Follow him on but Twitter. You know, I, I hope at this point he has sent a congratulatory postcard for Clooney's upcoming twins. I'm sure, yeah, and Beyonce's. I mean, and Beyonce. I, the fact that Beyonce you know, and George Clooney are both having twins seems really weird. But you know what? In this darkest timeline, I kind of feel like it would be Beyonce who gives birth to Luke and Leia Skywalker. Yeah, probably. They're the ones who are going to lead the resistance and save the world. Bless them. <laughs> anyway, speaking of ridiculous things, um, Michael Bay is coming out with a movie. and <laughs> Which is untitled, which of course is code for Transformers 4. Oh, man. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's really funny about Michael Bay. Um... One of my coworkers um, is a huge movie person. Like, 
studied it in school and you know that's why they work primarily in the movie department all the time and you know and every time you mention the name michael bay he gets twitchy like don't mention that awful director don't mention it <laughs> oh man so yeah um yeah uh, blaine's not having any of it in the scene even though cooper's trying no. i don't know it doesn't that help the, yeah and we get the um line about um kurt dressing blaine I love when Blaine tries to deny things when they're kind of somewhat true. <laughs> He's like, he does not. I'm not on the bottom. He makes a valiant effort. <laughs> He's like, he doesn't, he doesn't pick out my clothes. Of course he wouldn't. It's not like we talk on the phone every night and we Skype so that he can see my closet and tells me that he wants shirt four and pants five and bow tie three. You know what just hit me, though? This is going to be really depressing now when I say this. Oh. It makes that scene in Makeover really awful because he wants Kurt to help him pick out his clothes and Kurt's, like, completely dismissive of it. Oh, I don't think I watched that episode. No, because that was the, before the breakup, so I'm sure you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch that episode. But, yeah, there's a scene in Makeover. It's the episode before where he's gonna he's running for class president and he wants Kurt to help him pick out a tie and Kurt's going on and on about New York and ignoring that Blaine wants his attention. Aww. Yeah, it's really sad, actually. But I don't like that! Don't do that! That's so sad! You know, we're, this whole road goes towards the breakup. We are, like, nonstop on a runaway train now. I understand that, but I'm pretending that doesn't exist. Oh, well... I'm living in a Cooper Anderson state smile. <laughs> but also, I look at it and it says, like, if Kurt really picking his clothes, would Kurt really want Blaine dressing with that much clothes? With the bow ties tied up right around the neck, things like that. Would he want a little bit less on Blaine? I don't know. It depends so on now, what he was going for. Now I want the scene of Kurt actually picking out Blaine's clothes. I mean, like, you know what? We, we get that, like, though. Guys, you gotta watch like, season like, five, too, RB. Because we actually do have a scene. <laughs> I mean, like, Kurt's all about the layers, but I sort of feel like Kurt would probably, you know, less is more when it comes to Blaine. Oh, especially at this point. I um, but he does in season five. There's a scene of him picking out yes. Blaine's clothes. Again, I totally did watch that. You're gonna have to watch that too, man. All, all of the episodes that I will be on for four and five will be me watching them for the first you time. You really should. So. I mean, you can ignore season four all you want, but sit down and watch all of season five. I think you will enjoy it. There's actually two scenes in season five. There's one in moving out, and there's one in New York during "You Make Me Feel So Young." Oh, that's right. I was thinking of the moving out one, but yeah, there is one in New York, New York too. Before they start tumbling on the bed. Yeah. Maybe that's why you think about it. <laughs> yeah, I remember the tumbling on the bed. RB, but really, sit down and watch season five. I think you will like it. It's all cracky. It's hilarious. Basically, There's all, a lot of. All of the opinions you will get from me in season five are me watching it for the first time. Yeah. Which I, know. I kind of feel like is a very interesting perspective because we don't get a lot of that in Glee fandom because those of us who are left are the ones who are battle worn. Yeah. <laughs> and been here for years. It's like, I remember this back in the day. I can remind <laughs> Oh, man. We don't really have new opinions. <laughs> Alright, well, speaking of old opinions, um, this is where Blaine finally kind of just blows up and, you know, yeah. So, 
I also think that it's not really effective when he storms off in his high water pants. I know. You know, okay, <laughs> I'm going to... Like, all I want for Blaine is to have pants that are the appropriate length. Can I um, say an unpopular... No, it's my turn for an unpopular opinion. This scene is less effective to me because he is dressing like a nine-year-old man. I, I'm just... 100% the song is fine. I have no problems. The song is Spider. It's about him fighting and being stronger and kind of dealing with his crap. But I, I just, for some reason, can't take it as seriously when he's dressed the way he is. I'm sorry. I know no, there are lots of Blaine fans who probably disagree with me. I, I agree with you. And I, lo I love this song. But every time he's, like, stormy, jigging his way down the hall... In his high water pants, I can't really take it seriously because all I can focus on is your pants are three inches too short. You need to fix this so that you actually look like a threat while you are walk while you are dancing down the hall and getting angry at a Cheerio with your brother on his phone. Oh, that reminds I me. I, I do want to say, before they start the song... Blaine's going off on his tirade, and he's like, it's all about you, isn't it? And Cooper's just like, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very typical older brother, older sibling thing to do. I mean, and I wish that as a person with younger siblings, I would also respond with, well, yeah, but I kind of feel like I would. See, and I'm so. just weird, because I don't, like, I'm the oldest of four kids, but I don't have that same kind of reaction, so... I don't know. Yeah, I kind of feel like Cooper and I have very similar, like, Myers-Briggs types. Well, at the same time, though, my younger siblings are all boys, so I'm the only girl, so maybe that's a uh, difference. There, there's a big, um, I guess gender competition is not really the best way to describe it, but it's the only way I can think to describe it. So, like, boys who have brothers or girls who have sisters, there's an extra layer of of competition. And I can see that because, I mean, I do have three brothers and they do kind of get a little right. crazy, but it is... I mean, my my oldest younger brother is not quite Cooperish, but totally has this obliviousness to the other younger ones. So I do get it on that level. I just haven't personally because I'm the girl and it's a little bit different. And so, yeah. Right. I'm similar to that. I've only got... I've got two younger brothers. I'm the only girl. Mm. So... I the clashes that happened was actually with the youngest one is because our personalities are very similar. And so that's where the clashes happened between the two of us. See, um, it's, but it's not really like that competition sort of, mm -hmm. sort of stuff never really sort of came through with the three of us. With those two. Yeah, with those two, but not with me and them. I have, I have siblings of both genders, um, of, of boys and girls. Um, and so... And, and being the oldest out of all of them, I have competed with all of them. <laughs> I, as I, as I admit, slightly shamefully, um, I, I feel a lot of kinship with Cooper and wanting to be the center of attention. So I kind of, but there, but there's extra competition between me and um, my sisters. How many siblings do you there's have? A, there's an extra bit. Of, you know, you're both you're you're all competing for the same things and the same spot in what the world has said you should have. So go for it. How many siblings do you have? 
A bunch. Wow. <laughs> six? You have six? I do not have six. Okay. <laughs> so. But but there there's there's a good castle of us and I um I I like to be the central attention. So Yay. Yeah. I, I have a lot of kinship with Cooper. Oh. <laughs> In addition to wanting to lick him from navel to nipples. <laughs> Maybe well, there's a reason why we pick our favorites. Yeah. I just, you know he has an eight-pack underneath there. Also, with the Anderson booty, I mean, good lord, <laughs> all of those Anderson boys have that luscious, round, onion booty. can hardly contain it, ass, that is just gorgeous. And oh, I would like to touch. Do you remember yeah. the scene? You probably did. I don't know. If, did you watch New New York? Because there's that scene where Sam is like, hey, I'm going to, you know, uh, model men's yes. onion booty. Thing. And yes. Jolene's like, why um, would you ever do this? <laughs> I, I did watch that. And I just wanted to go, well, Lane's already got that cover. So, good. Uh, but it's obviously a Anderson trait to have a very firm, round buttocks in said paint. So, and I kind of hope that they got that from their father, who is also a silver fox and a dilf and has the same older gentleman talk. So what I'm about. getting from you, RB, is that what you get out of the most, in order, we're going to go in order here, is Cooper Anderson, Kurt's junk, and Blaine's ass. Yes, that's pretty, that's pretty solid, yes. I feel like that's a very good description of what I enjoy about Blaze. <laughs> I in, I enjoy Cooper Anderson's various uh, primary and secondary uh, sexual attributes. I enjoy Kurt's bulging pink fun sack. And I enjoy Blaine's round, bouncy booty. Well, speaking of a, a more shallower thing, I, I can take Blaine more seriously when he is doing the actual fighting stuff. Um, when he's Wait, before we get into that fighting stuff, when he's singing oh. in the quiet room and he says, you're wrong, he points. <laughs> he does, because he's serious and he has a lot of emotions. <laughs> before we get the clothes off, he, he gets the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, you know, not all of Cooper's lessons go over his head. He does sublimate a few of them. He takes them in, just like Kurt likes to take the blame in. So... He takes it into himself. It becomes part of him. He points, and then he takes off most of his clothes to hit a hunting bag, and then he takes off the rest of them to get into a shower. Well, and Cooper is watching him actually box. Like, he hmm. does. He's a little creepy, but, you know, whatever. I watch him box, too. So, he, I mean, even with it's when fun. he in the shower, I couldn't figure, I was trying to figure it out, on the left-hand side of the screen, it actually looks like there's somebody's shoulder there as well, like they're watching him in the shower, and I, like, I re-watched it a couple, re-watched it a couple of times, but I'm like, uh, I can't tell if that's the person or not, because if that is Cooper, that's weird. No, it's See, probably just somebody I else. I thought that was Cooper. I always thought that the only people who watched people in the shower was Will and Ben. <laughs> oh, Rachel does in season six, actually a whole bunch of them yeah. no, do, in season and six. Kurt, and Kurt, and and, yeah. I mean, we basically have to determine that the showers at McKinley are not a private space. <laughs> no. Well, that's what I would think. I mean, because there's a whole bunch of people in that, in the room, in the training room, 
um, when he's boxing. So I'm yeah, just assuming it's yeah. Well, and is they're just extras. They don't count in this universe. When the when uh, so does Blaine box first and then go on the stage and cry, yeah. or does he, he do box, this first and then he box? boxes? He showers to clean himself off a little bit, and then he goes and yells at forty-seven Coopers on a television screen. Yeah, <laughs> poor Blaine. Let's have, just the shout. This uh, that's strong. He's back in the shower with Jesus. I love that. <laughs> it's good. it's good. I mean, it's uh, it's obviously necessary to the plot. I'm, uh, I'm very deep and meaningful, and it's not the fact that we're sitting there going, "Holy shit, you're not 15." <laughs> I was like, "That's my um, profile pic on YouTube," and it's just got him, and it's got Kate Cobb, Kate Cobb, Kate Cobb, Kate Cobb. I like that scene a normal amount. Yes. <laughs> In an appropriate fashion for someone of my age. Mm-hmm. So, God bless it, we could have had more of that. <laughs> they should have they should have just stripped down both Blaine and Cooper. They could have, you know, half naked wrestled. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I'm I'm not saying. You know what? The, the quote, I have it on closed caption, and, and the quote right now says, make me work a little bit harder. Oh. <laughs> Poor Blaine. Is just, it's like a nightmare for him. Like he's It is, but I love that he ends up basically as his angry puppy yelling at 47 screens of Cooper Anderson's beautiful eyes. <laughs> I mean, it's, again... This is one of those things that compare and contrast with the choreography of Hungry Like the Wolf Rio. You have this giant screen that has been set up in their auditorium that obviously costs more than what their lunch budget is. (laughs) As compared to the slight sidestepping, kicking in the air, spinning choreography of the Duran Duran number. Yeah. Well, I think it's obviously a fantasy. I mean, see, but I'm not even. I, I can't even always tell whether it's a fantasy or not. Like that's when what, they did they, an Edie or a Gaga, and they end up in these magnificent costumes. I thought at first that was going to be a fantasy, but then they keep talking as if it's a reality. But at the end of um, but the, some of them are because at, in Sue Sylvester Shuffle at the end of season six, uh, not no, the Sue whatever that Sue yeah. episode is. And they're faking it, yeah. like the kids all yeah. come on, and it's like all faked, and Sue and Will look crazy by themselves on stage. So Perfect. it's just whatever Glee, whatever you think it is, is probably right. Glee <laughs> wants to be ambiguous about it. So, so yeah, yep. All right, so we get moving on with the episode because we still have like 15 minutes of this episode to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> Apparently, we have a lot of feelings, and I apologize for most of them. <laughs> He's just but so attractive. You just feel things very intensely. I feel things. I feel things very intensely. Are you pointing? Really my heart. I am pointing. I'm pointing at things around my apartment just so that they know that I'm serious about this episode. <laughs> Television. Um, I'm pointing at you. Oh my gosh. Microphone. I'm talking about you. So uh, I do want to shout out to the scene between Finn and Quinn and Artie, and where Quinn basically like yells at Finn for texting while walking in the hallway. 
She's like, that's how I got in my accident. Do not do that. That was such a weird little scene. It was. And I mean, I can't decide whether it was weird just because of the subject of it or the way that Quinn was woody in her acting of it. That it's like... I can't believe you would be texting while you're walking. That's how I started. And then I got hit by a truck. Like, that's a very Miss America type of answer to this sort of thing. <laughs> you're like, it's like, man, I am going, I can't believe they're giving me this line to actually say that I'm preaching this. Yes. Probably. Well, this stuff. It's, it's one of, this, I had forgotten that this episode has, like, seven different plots. And... Um, I had forgotten that the Cooper and Blaine stuff was not as much a part of the episode time-wise as in my mind it was. Uh. That there are, you know, Sue's going to the doctor, and Quinn and Artie, and Quinn and Team Jesus, and Quinn and Finn. Like, there are so many. But that's season three for you in a nutshell. There's just... They are trying to fit in all of these storylines. And, I mean, while this episode is a really good episode, it just, it's one of the fallbacks of season three in general, that there's just so much stuff going on all the time. It just makes it kind of messy. This whole season is really kind of messy. So. It is, but I, I kind of feel like they could have, they could have dealt with the editing. You know, <laughs> maybe we should have, plots X and Y in a different episode and focus on an A, B, and C plot instead of having an A, B, C, D, E, F, Y plot. Well, like I said, that was their problem with season three. <laughs> they and, need some editing. Bless them, but they need some editing. Well, they needed better writing in general, whatever. Anyway, that's a whole other tangent. Um, we get this, you know, we get this Sue-Becky scene, and I, for the life of me, have no idea what it's about. Uh, oh, I know what it's about. It's about her... Um, yeah. heard about her daughter yeah. and she says to Becky um, like you're having a girl and Sue's like yep just like you and gives and sort of um, and gives her a hug and sort of and that's when Becky says the whole you know can I give you some advice you know work on your patience yeah. it's very um, sweet to me it's actually a really sweet like the Sue and Becky stuff's always great like when Becky's being tolerable later on in later seasons she gets a little bit much but the Sue and Becky stuff's usually done pretty well, and this scene is great. Yep. Great scene between the two of them. Yeah. All right, so then we get Senior Ditch Day, and um, I I want to say that I know this for a fact, but I can't say that I do. Um, the reason um, that they go to an amusement park is that it was Chris Colfer's idea to do a song on a roller coaster, and it happened. And that's why when you see at the very beginning when they all go to the amusement park and Kurt is, like, crazy and, like, running <laughs> everywhere, that's because Chris Colfer is that happy. <laughs> well, he looked pretty stoked to be there. He did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've never been that excited to be in a Six Flags, but <laughs> totally looked excited about that. So, all right. Let me get, yeah, let me get the beginning of the joke. Well, I mean, there was the Quinn also... At the amusement park, and then there's the Quinn Joe stuff, where Joe's like, don't give up on yourself, and whatever. Okay. <laughs> just believe. You guys can talk now, because I'm just like... No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wish that I had more to 
say on that topic, but I... Oh, no. That's... Oh, no. We, you know, it's kind of funny, because I've been getting better about we like talking about the whole episode, because the listen to the first ones, I don't talk about any of the stuff that's going on. <laughs> like, there's Will and Finn and Rachel in this episode, and whatever, Kurt's doing this. <laughs> so, basically, Queen of Black Joe, let's get back to booty camp. Yep, exactly. Why doesn't he wear shoes? Just wear the shoes, dude. He explains it in heart, does it? Is it explained in heart when he's first introduced? Yeah, he says that he do, he went barefoot all the time. That's all. That it, he was homeschooled, so he didn't wear shoes. I'm sorry, but the homeschool kids I knew, while a little odd, all wore shoes. So just wear shoes, dude. Just right. wear shoes. So we get into our second booty scene. Booty. <laughs> God, I give up. We get into our second. I was gonna say booty call scene. Should. Should we just focus on bulging pink fun sack instead? Would that be would that be better than a booty call? Oh, man, I wish we could see each other sometimes because I'm just like waving my hands like I'm done. I am done. What one of these may have to be a special video episode. <laughs> Alright, getting into the the, the second um, uh, booty camp scene. I keep wanting to call it booty call. Um, we get I have to mention, um, Kurt is fake fighting Sugar over here, and that it's it's totally the actors. It's it's Chris and, and Vanessa Lungie's just screwing around, and they left it in. It's really cute. Um, and then, yep, this is the this part the where Kurt has the hoodie and the all American yeah. theme going. Yes, yeah. like Stu comes in and starts giving us that you know I tried to be you know I thought I was being nice you know I didn't comment on the implausible sexual tension between Mercedes and Kentucky Fried Stripper. <laughs> And the fact that you, like, wasted millions of dollars on yourselves so for a laser show so that sandbags could dance with the night school's Polynesian <laughs> He was Puerto Rican. I love it when they do things like that. And, of course, the, the top where this is where the line is, you know, I think Mr. Shu needs more adult friends. <laughs> At yeah. least one adult friend. Which no. 100% he does. Um, yep. Before before that though, it's, this is when Teen Jesus uh, enters the the Glee Club, so we get Joe actually in the Glee Club now. Um, I will say I don't the sappiness at the end though kind of doesn't quite ruin yeah. it, but like then she's like I my, my baby will soak up your good osmosis or osmosis. Gosh, I ruined that. My baby will soak up all of your wonderfulness. Yeah, and you're like really. Yeah, it's like. Before, like, the line before that, when she's talking about, it's, like, in possum DNA to poop rainbow glitter. And, yes. like, her, like, eyes, like, she's, like, so it's almost, like, how does she know that? Well, I like Blaine's <laughs> reaction in the back, though. It's hilarious. Blaine's like, wait, what? <laughs> well, that's what when she says, like, I've behaved badly, and that's Blaine's face, like, what? And it's, like, it's so similar to every time she talks, like, back into sexy when he meets her for the first time. And in the final episode, when she's like, you know, I just don't get you or your thing. He doesn't get her either. Like, we've spoken before about that Kurt so you have kind of this weird thing going, you know, Mm -hmm. connection together. Blaine just does not get her and does not understand her in any way. Nope. (laughs) Constantly, like, just completely befuddled by the things that she does. (laughs) As most everybody is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's true. So... But it's still a good scene overall. It, it's, oh, yeah. it's fun. So, 
Oh, and then I didn't. I completely forgot this was right after that. Um, we get the Margaret Thatcher dog, which again is a is a Chris Colfer thing. Yeah, um, he named the dog because her relationship with the Queen was rough. Yes. Oh, Chris. Like that's what. But did you earlier in the episode in his locker? He's got like a, a Will and Kate. Oh yeah. Because I'm, I don't. Now he follows the royal story. Yeah. But and that's yeah. a that's a thing right from Chris because Chris just loves the British royals. Like yeah. I, I, I don't know. Chris Colbert to end up in one of the PBS historical dramas. Well, like yeah. they have they have Victoria on right now, which is uh, amazing. Hey, oh yeah. But I, I would love to see him end up as like some American in you know. Victoria or the Crown or something. Oh yeah. Well, that's why his handle is HR, His Royal Highness, so HRH. Yeah. Chris Colfer. Because he's just. He's, yeah. I'm amazed he has not met the Queen. To be honest with you, <laughs> like how has he not met them yet? But the Queen does not lower herself to meeting anybody other than like James Bond. <laughs> I mean, she she did enjoy Daniel Craig. And, and being amusing with him for the Olympics, but still, that was that was not a commonplace event. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, I, but anyway, getting back to the scene, um, Kurt's really cutie, cute little thing aside. I love Blaine's locker, and there's a picture of Kurt as in the unicorn, uh, as a unicorn, in in the locker from I Am Unicorn, one of the the um, student election well, posters. Well, he really put a picture of his bulging pink on back. Oh, okay. <laughs> Six pictures for a secret folder on his computer. Blaine <laughs> has a copy of that picture that he likes to refer to on, you know, a pretty regular basis. See, and that's my th- okay. So Blaine later, we're going to find out, has a giant scrapbook of Kurt. So I'm <laughs> sure there's some dirty stuff that he's got hidden somewhere. One hundred percent. He's he's got a little decoupage box that has naughty dick pics in there. <laughs> It's tastefully, though. Kurt would only have it that way. <laughs> well, sure. They're, they're artfully done. Yeah. Black, Black and white. Yeah. You know, there's some staging and some, you know, tasteful Photoshop done. But, you know, he's he's got a box that Kurt has given the whole Pavarotti. So, uh, I like that. The menu that's going around at the moment is like playing in the box. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sweet it's Jesus. Deep. That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> I mean, I like that a normal amount. <laughs> With him and Bubbles. Yeah. Like Maybe the... Of that. That's uh, going to be my title. The one that we like a normal amount. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to sound like that crazy person. <laughs> I'm failing, but I'm trying so hard. It's okay. You're being very entertaining, which is what we appreciate. But, yeah, the one with him in the bath and all of the thick that has come oh, no. from that picture of that amazing man at the bath. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Kurt has his own versions of both. Oh, Kurt does. You know, I wonder if he's ever writ- written his own slightly AU fic of him and Blaine in different situations that they could find themselves in and Blaine's ever found it. Why would he and do that? Blaine wants to act them out. I like that. That could be a story. Well, we know Blaine definitely wouldn't take. That's 100%. true. 100%. Because that's actually canon. 
And I and love she, that idea. And like the fact that like Kurt's obsessing over Taylor Lautner and stuff like that. He's so big reading that sort of stuff. Mm, <laughs> I wonder what their necklace would look like. <laughs> okay, so back to the scene. <laughs> we're never going to get through this. I'm sorry, we're still talking about the episode. <laughs> we are, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to ruin your fun. I'm like the fun ruiner. Oh, gotcha. I'm not the fun ruiner. I love Lane's like scared reaction when like Kurt pops up beside his locker, like jumps. You know, and this is, we've been talking a lot about how, like, over the top this episode is, and the one nice thing I really like about this scene is that it kind of brings it back down to a regular level, and Kurt has been absent during this episode, but he isn't unaware of what's going on. Yeah, and that's a really, the brother talk they give him is, like, really, it's really sweet. And I feel like Kurt gives actual good advice. You know, a lot of a lot of times the kids in this show give very, very bad advice about life and things that you should do, but Kurt so, the nail on the head here. I love the irony of, like, Kurt basically telling him to go and always sing it out with Cooper. Oh, yeah. In a couple of episodes' time, he's going to be singing to blame, expecting it to fix everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I sang you a song to express my regrets. <laughs> I, I gave you a puppy. Know that this is what we do. See, and I, I kind of like that. Like, I, I know Finn won this for Rachel, and there's like, I mean, can we talk about Rachel making Finn win 15 puppy dogs? But <laughs> anyway. It's totally in line with what would happen. Yeah, oh yeah. I totally believe her. Or being like, so this is what we need. This is how we're going to do it. This is not enough. This is the amount that we need to do. You need to do more. And I'm like, yoink, I'm going to take this one. Because it's got the puppy dog eyes. Yeah. And that's she did that a few. She did that in Extraordinary Merry Christmas, wasn't it? You have to buy me this. Yep. Isn't it? Yep. Yes. Yep. But yeah, I like that. Like she's like, oh, I, I miss playing. This puppy looks a little like playing, and we're gonna get him that. It's yeah. so cute. But why aren't you being cute? <laughs> Blaine's like, <laughs> I'm sulking right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a mood. lot of sulking in this episode. Blanks. But it all works. <laughs> I don't know. Do like, I mean, we all don't like when you get in a mood like that. It can, it's so hard to get yourself out of it. Yeah, and he's so, really. You know, even though your cute boyfriend's standing there with these like adorable tapes, like no, I'm in a bad mood. I want to stay in a bad mood because my brother's a jerk. Sort of like I've not, I've not finished with my bad mood. Yet. Well, and it kind of to to put it in context with the rest of the season. Blaine's been in kind of an angsty mood since after he gets back from Michael, from the eye patch stuff. Um, after Heart, he's kind of just in this sullen mood, and it's it's his brother, but it's also it's getting to be the end of the year. He had rock salt thrown in his eyes. Yeah, yeah. And Kurt's leaving, and everything's changing, and he's just not happy. Poor guy. Uh, well, because he left Gay Hogwarts. And he's come to the real world to be a real boy. And this is what goes along with being a real boy. And he's facing up to the fact that he's no longer, you know, an imaginary character in a Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Poor thing. I also like Kurt mentioning Finn in this scene. Not because they've been like, and they've only been brothers for a little bit of time, but I also like that it's not... It, they still have problems. Uh, you know, Fit, Kurt alludes to the fact that Finn and Kurt don't always get along still. 
Um, but they're they're so very brotherly, and I like that. Yeah. I just Finn and Kurt after Furt, we don't get a lot of them, and it's kind of nice to it see that dynamic, or at least yeah, hear really about the it. Yeah, really, the only sort of thing significance we get. I suppose we get a little bit in the end of this season, but then the only other stuff that they really interact with each other would be in the breakup. Yep, that's the last time they're on screen together. Yeah. 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 Well, feels. So you only get one brother, Blaine. Don't give up on that. I mean, his, his mom could still have another kid, but, you know, the feeling's there. <laughs> so. I love the big lug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and that's the other thing. They warm milk together every night. <laughs> yeah. I also like that Kurt knows where Cooper is, so yeah. I'm wondering if Cooper went to Kurt or if Kurt went or to Cooper. Kurt went to Cooper. That is one of my big, I love, I love both ways that it could go. Yeah. I love the idea of Cooper being self-aware enough to go to Kurt and say, I want to make up with Blaine. This is how I'm going to do it. Can you point him in the right direction? And I also equally love the idea of Kurt going to Cooper and being like, you're fucked up. This is how you're going to fix it because I don't like yeah. seeing my boyfriend sad and this is where you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want you to be their friends because I want you to be a part of my life. So we got to sort this out. Exactly. I don't want to have to give you up. You are not leaving my sight because I want to see you every Christmas and, you know, a few holidays in between in my spank bank. So you're going to fix this. <laughs> so that either one of those ideas of how this scene came about is a great way for them to go. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, and then you're right about Kurt's advice about, hey, maybe you need to. You know, I, I like the contrast though of not only with dance with somebody, but later on when when Krosky is going to tell Blaine, don't sing it, just talk to him. Like. Yep. You know, sometimes, yeah, music will work, but then other times you need to use your words. Yeah. So, but yeah, right here is a showing thing, and yeah, so now we get Blaine going off to the auditorium to sing a breakup song with his brother. I was saying, I love it, love it when Australian artists get a look in with this show. Yeah. <laughs> this is such a good thing, and it's such a, I understand that it's a breakup song, but the way it is together, it yeah. totally works. It does yeah. work. I know we joke about it a lot, that it's a breakup song, but it does work, I think. You get angry, puppy, blame faces. You get confused Cooper, and Cooper just wants to make things better. And they bond, and then they hug, and you know that a hug by Matt Bomer would just be the most amazing. I mean, his arm is wrapped around his neck, and I'm standing there going, I would totally totally be in the middle of that sandwich well and but, like these uh, lyrics like uh, now and then I think of all the times you screwed me over I mean and then they, they cut back to baby Blaine and Cooper and there's just so many so many feels and you had me believe I, me and I it was always lot, something you had me believe me believing it was something I'd always done and that's something yeah. we didn't really talk about but yeah it's something that Blaine kind of thinks maybe there's something wrong with me if you, you know, you always used to, like, take away my toys and criticize me and didn't want to spend any time with me. And Blaine is, you know, he does blame himself. He's, like, uh, uh, just in general, he's one of those, you know, like, maybe it's something that I did. Maybe you don't want to be with me anymore. You know, be my brother. I'm thinking about Kurt later on. Maybe you don't want to be with me. What did I do wrong? 
I also really love the I don't want to live that way line yeah. because mm-hmm. both of them really want to connect with their with their sibling, but they don't quite know how to jump across that abyss of shared history and of both of them being the types of person that they are. And I, there's there's just so many layers to that song, and I love I love all of it. Yep, and it's. I just, oh. It's the conversation, like, they're having a conversation with music here. And that's the one thing Glee can do with this really well, and I think this is one of those times when a lot is being spoken in, in through the lyrics and through subtext. And I think that's really kind of cool, because sometimes you just get somebody singing on a stage and it doesn't really mean anything. But I like it when Glee takes these songs and really has a lot of layers to them. And I think that it's, again, like I had mentioned, you know, earlier in the podcast with it being siblings it gives it an extra understood layer for those of us who have a sibling who can Mm -hmm. understand a little bit of the you know maybe a breakup song but these are things that siblings have gone through and even though you're not saying it explicitly I get some of the things that you're trying to overcome being different in age and being different in situations but you're still related and these are things that going through and I I just think they did such a good job with this scene and the two of them and what they're trying to say and what they're not actually saying and then once they finally start talking after the song and I don't want to just be your brother I also want to be your friend oh Oh, and I knew that you were serious because you were pointing and <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah I mean like the song is somebody that I used to know and there's this whole level of you know we grew up in this house together but it's like we don't even know each other and I like that the scene is kind of like okay after the sentiment is expressed they have this conversation about like hey let's really try and be in each other's lives now and and be brothers and be friends and Cooper like at the end of it says you know that's the best you've sounded and is it's a sincere compliment and you know says all of these really nice things about how I'm proud of you and all these things that Blaine really has been wanting to hear for so long Cooper is at the end of the song he's that sibling that we always want who is the one who's saying you know I know that you're going to do these amazing things that you want to do, and I totally believe that you're going to fulfill these dreams, and I'm going to be standing there right next to you, pointing at you going, this is my brother, he's amazing, I hope that everybody is paying attention because he is killing it. And he's saying all the right things at the end of it, and I just, I love the way that they end it between the two of them. Yeah. I also love the fact that they don't end it on the serious note. I love it that they hug it out, and good Lord knows that I would love a Matt Bomer hug, but when Blaine comes out with the, I know that you're serious because you weren't pointing, and, like, he needles him. Like, yeah. he knows exactly the right way to needle his brother that is such a very sibling thing to do. I mean, for people who have siblings, you can have this very emotionally charged moment for what you know a a wedding or a funeral or whatever you're having that at some point one of the siblings is going to say some asinine comment 
from when you were told <coughs> that's going to have everybody laughing or whatnot. And this is that kind of moment that they have between the two of them that makes me believe, one, that they are actually brothers, and two, that they have that sort of shared history that we weren't just imagining throughout the rest of the episode. And I, I love it. He's, he, he's trying to bring Cooper out of his spot. <coughs> Yeah, generally upset for Cooper when he hears about the cancelled audition. Like, he can see it in blank face, like, oh, shit. And so he's, like, that needling and that having 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 a poker fun and all that sort of stuff is him trying to to boost Cooper up because he can sort of see that he's generally upset about what's happened. They're both being really supportive brothers for each other. And, and it's, we, it's amazing. And we get the <coughs> fantastic the the screw Optimus timeline. Yes. <laughs> Though I have to say, um, like in tonight's episode, I say one of the most difficult things <laughs> I've ever had to say on Glee. <laughs> um, it's just such a good line. Backing up yeah. though, you know what? The, Cooper has a line that says, um, "We went in a different direction," which means they either found somebody like better or hotter. And it's like, who are you going to yeah. find that's hotter there's, than Matt Bomer? There's nobody. There's literally nobody. <laughs> So obviously, Cooper, it's because you're not a good actor. Yeah. Which, you know, bless, but you're not a good actor. Um, uh, yeah. And and I I love Blaine being like, you know, screw this guy. He's obviously wrong. Let's go take something that'll show him how wrong he is, which then leads us into the most amazing deleted scene. (laughs) Yeah. Before, well, it wasn't deleted, but um, it was just like an extra that they released well, later. But before we right. talk about that, we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, I, I just want to mention the end of this episode real quick because it's going to come up with stuff that we talk about later. Is a Finchel scene. They end on this Finchel scene, and Finchel has not really had much to do, thankfully, for this this whole episode. And it is the how do I put this? Finn is like, I want to go off to LA and do stuff with Puck and try and start a career. And Rachel's like, well, I'm going to New York. And they get in this fight. And it is one of the, probably one of the better Finchel scenes. But at the same time, it's like these two, shows me these two are just not right for each other. And it's a fight that they should have had a season ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's something that was obvious. It was always bubbling just beneath the surface because you have a character like who, and I love Rachel. I I love the the bossy forward um, character who doesn't take any shit and knows what her dream is and that's what she's going for it. But she's all she's always assumed that Finn was going to be part of that as part of her story as opposed to a story unto himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Finn, who's kind of coming around to the fact of, well, what's my story going to be? Am I going to be a bit player in somebody else's story, or am I going to have my own? And I think that that was a, a fight that has been brewing for a while and should have happened earlier, but I'm glad that it actually kind of bubbles up at this point because... I mean, he sh- he should be allowed to determine his own fate as the the main character of his own story, as opposed to a bit player in her story. Yep. And it's just, 
like there is weird irony in this scene that she's so flat out, no, New York, New York, New York, and in a couple of seasons' time, she's going to completely throw away New York for yeah. the flashing lights of, of Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, and when he had the, you know, before he was shot down by, say, Ohio State and whatnot, he was, I always thought that it was very obvious that he wanted to play football in college and he wanted to do something like that. And that's not available to him at a university in Manhattan. You know, that's that's just not something... What his dreams are are not compatible with what her dreams are in the four years of college. You know? And I think that that's something that they never really faced and so I'm glad that they did it here and I kind of wish they had did they, they had done more of it because he's very much a, a, a I'm going to go to the you know Ohio State and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna you know be the, the jock and she's the I'm going to go to NYU and be an actor and do this sort of thing and they were on very different tracks but Glee never really let them stay on the different track. Well, they, well, and I'll, uh, I think, oh, go ahead, Mel, I'll let you talk. I was just saying, well, they did, they kind of, in season four, they, you know, when, they kind of did, like, when he started, he stayed in Lima, he eventually enrolled at uni, it was the teacher role, training to be a teacher, you know, that was when they started getting it really right with his character, and unfortunately that was, was cut short. Um, so the way that they dealt with it as a couple wasn't necessarily done well. Like the fact, and I'm sure you'll get into that when you're doing goodbye, that he just sort of leaves her at the train station is not really probably the best way to go about that as a couple. Um, I think eventually they did kind of get their separate stories right. Well, and that's, I guess, what... We're going to get a lot of Finchel for the next eight episodes, and um, season three is very Finchel-heavy. And while it's tiring because the rest of us who have favorite characters who are not Finn and Rachel are just desperate for any kind of storyline, and like you said, there's like 18 different plot lines in this episode, it, you know, it, it it really gets frustrating. But Finn and Rachel's season-long arc in this, year, in this season is actually pretty good, and... and um, I can't believe I'm saying that, but it, it really is kind of well done, and there's these little beats all the way throughout. And But to me, it was always, you know, here's this couple that they dated in high school, and then in season four they're going to break up, and then Rachel does her thing, and Finn finds his own way. And that, to me, was a really interesting and good story. And I, I guess the fact that they were going to bring them back at, at the end of the series never really rang true for me because of scenes like this, where it just... Yeah. Their lives are different, and they're going in different directions, and it just, I don't know, just makes more sense to me as a couple who means something in high school, but as they get out of high school and grow up, it it just changes. Glee had a bad habit of positing that who you were in high school was who you were always going to be, yeah. and that who you cared about in high school were who you were always going to care about primarily. Which I don't think is true for the majority of people. You know, the majority of people don't marry their high school sweetheart. The majority of people don't stay BFF with 
their friends, you know, from high school. I think that, that Glee had a habit of stunting things in high school. And so once they got into college, as opposed to making college friends with, for a show that had no problem adding in bukus of people to their main cast, they really didn't do that once they got off to college. Well, they just didn't you know? add them at college. They just added, right. they, they just added them as new. Right, and we'll we'll get into that way more when we get into season four. Um, but yeah, I think it's actually a trope of high school shows in general that ha- they have a problem that because you want to keep this cast together or because you are emotionally yeah. invested in these characters, they don't really get to change the way real people do. But and I can almost say, I can hopefully this hopefully people understand when I say this, but. All of the couples on the show, including Clayne, even though they are beloved to me, you can make an argument about how they would go their own ways um, after high school. And that you could see it. I think, actually, the only couple that makes sense as... I don't want to say that because I do believe Clayne makes sense, but uh, uh, Tina and Mike, to me, seemed like that couple that would get married right out of high school and stay local and have out a few kids. But... I don't agree with that, but I Sorry. but I can I can see the argument for either for or against, and I, right. I would I would make the argument against, but I would make the argument against for for most of them. So yeah. So there you go. I mean, so and I'm, that's why I'm like that's why I feel like when I say this stuff about Finchel or even Britanna or whoever, I'm like okay, but then I know there are fans out there that really like them, so I'm not gonna be like okay, well it's impossible. Like, like what you like, I mean... It's the difference between show reality and reality reality. Right. So, so that, you know, let's, let's talk about Cooper again. <laughs> so, ending the because we do need to wrap this up at some point. Um, there is, they released it after the, the show was out, and it wasn't a deleted scene. It was actually just an extra that they put on YouTube, and I should try and link it because, because it's amazing, is the, um, is the audition video. For this, yeah. by Big Time Cooper at Yahoo.com. So, um, I didn't. So, I, if, if nobody has seen this scene, I, one, don't know what you're doing with your life, <laughs> and two, please check out my Ander Bros tag because I most certainly have reblogged this. And, well, I'll link know, it up, and uh, when we post the, the episode stuff, I'll, I'll link it up. Uh, it so, is very funny. We had been talking about. Cooper auditioning for Michael Bay for the Untitled Project, which was obviously Transformers 4. <laughs> and we have a scene where Lane helps Cooper to film a little bit of an audition for Mr. Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's amazing. <laughs> it has some of the best acting that you'll see yep. on the show. Hands <laughs> down. Uh, it has Lane being a big help and a wonderful supporting character who does have to be reminded to point when the Decepticons are coming. It's the Decepticons. I love the cuts of him pointing. It's Megatron. He's got a wonderful faux southern accent going with Deputy Roscoe. Um, because why else would you have anybody stand there looking at the Decepticons who are obviously coming down on the country sitting there, oh shit, 
there's Meg Strong. <laughs> it's fantastic. And then he's like, he's shot down, he's like, rearranging himself while he's dead for the <laughs> He's got to make sure that his face can stay in focus. Turn into the and he has to turn into the pose. And so, he's just sitting there going, was that, was that good? Was that good? Like, yeah, yeah. 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 And, um, it is 100% my favorite thing that the two of them did together. And it's going to be like 100% just Darren and Matt sitting there waiting for a thing because um, Blaine's wearing what he was wearing in the fighter <laughs> immediately. It's just them two sitting there just going, hey, let's do this. The room over there. The room over there is empty. Let's just do this. Let's go. <laughs> Let's film it. Let's film it on our phones. Let's go. Bless who has whoever came up with this. Bless their cow. Bless everything because this scene is amazing. The two of them have such an easy uh, camaraderie with each other. They are obviously brothers. They do something amusing. Of course, Blaine would videotape his audition to go to Michael Bay and. It has the just the right amount of pointing that you would expect from Cooper Anderson. <laughs> hey, RB, I have a question for you. Yes. Do you like the scene a normal amount? I like the scene a normal amount. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think on that, I'm going to wrap up um, wrap up the episode, and I want to thank you guys for coming on and and talking extendedly about Matt Bomer and all of his attributes to this show. Um, it's a little sad that we are partying now, that we're, we're going away from it. Um, but for your listeners, join us next week. We're actually going to talk about Blaine and family. And so Cooper's not going to be gone completely. So tune in next Sunday night. And thanks for joining us. Coming, I don't know what it is, but it is gonna be great.